Another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What's going on, Omahe? <laughs> what? what, what? <laughs> Hold on, man. I'm not done. Man, don't cut me off. Don't be, don't be cutting me off in the middle of my oh my. Not, my you, my you, bad, my you, bad. You, you know the listen, You know the listeners be waiting for that, man. Why you gonna cut? You gonna cut, cut me off, dude. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get with LG, man. He he needs to make up. You know what? We we need to have our boy LG do. He needs to take like ten editions. Of like the of like the podcast, man, and do like some different, like do a remix yeah. of of. Uh, uh, <laughs> would that, but, but V, would that be would that be a remix or would that be more like outtakes? Because <laughs> so, <laughs> so it'd be a little bit, it'd be a little bit of both, man. Be, <laughs> the, the rec the record scratches and then you know do do the extra e he he you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, cr- the crazy part the crazy part of this man is i bro everywhere i go everybody wants to try to mimic that man i know man like that you know they want it they want to stop me in the corner and, and, and hit hit the high note i'm like can't everybody hit that high note so man? can't everybody hit that see you that's know? why i said man see you can't be interrupting me when i got the high note going bro when i'm feeling myself and i got the high note going <laughs> You you can't be interrupting, man. You need to just go ahead and let me do my thing, and 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 when I'm done, let, I'm let done. you let you do let you do your Mariah Carey. You, 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 I ain't mad at go you. Do, hey, man, because all I want for Christmas is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's, the, it's it's soon gonna be the holidays. We're we're coming up on Thanksgiving, man. A lot of great stuff happening. I'm just glad to be back on the microphone, man. Be glad to be able to connect with you. And I know we've got an incredible, incredible show teed up. I know we're going to take our time with this. I know the folks who are listening are going to be benefited, edified by what we do in this place and space, man. So what are your thoughts, man? Glad to be back on the mic with you, Doc. You know, man, thinking about Thanksgiving, so we're recording this episode so folks will have some sort of context (laughs) in terms of chronology. We're recording this episode on Saturday, November 18th, 2023. Mm -hmm. So we're just a few days before Thanksgiving 2023. So when you talk about Thanksgiving, man, I, I just want to give thanks to the Lord, man, for just giving us mm-hmm. another opportunity to be together 
on the Just Thinking podcast and recording another episode, yeah. man. Uh, love you, V. Just just love spending this time with you. So I'm thankful for that, uh, number one. And as I think about, man, Thanksgiving and the timing of this particular episode, with especially with respect to the topic that we're going to be dealing with, mm-hmm. you would think folks would say, well, you know, uh, Daryl, can't you guys, you know, do something on unity or togetherness or, you know, love and... <laughs> You know, it's Thanksgiving, man. You know, family's going to be getting together. They're going to be, you know, sharing right. memories and, you know, partaking of uh, bounties of food that God's uh, blessed them with. Can't you guys just do something to, uh, that, that that sort of correlates to the vibe and the aesthetics of Thanksgiving? And I'm thinking, nah, uh-huh. that's not what we do on the, <laughs> on the Just Thinking. But we're not really, right, right, we're, not right, all, right. we're not all that touchy-feely on the Just Thinking podcast, bro. Right. I'm like, sorry. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so we got, like you said a second ago, we have a, an, an incredible uh, show lined up with, with hopefully so, some solid content that's going to edify our listeners uh, because that, that's why we do this. We, we, we don't do this to just chit chat um, about topics and subject matter. Um, I mean, we, we go deep uh, for the goal, number one, of glorifying God, number one. And then number two, to equip believers because our primary audience on the Just Thinking podcast is the church. Uh, that's, that's our primary. We know that we have unbelievers that listen to us and God bless them. We're Mm -hmm. thankful for everyone who takes the time to listen, uh, to our episodes, but we have to keep it real here. Our, our primary audience here is is the church is, is believers. And we're, we're, we're praying, um, in all humility that the content that we deliver in this episode today will be, uh, edifying to, uh, to those who, uh, who end up listening to it. What about you V Any, any Thanksgiving thoughts, man, from you? No, yeah, man. Grateful, man. So, so grateful for all that we've experienced, man, this year as I, as I reflect on the, on, on the year and all that's transpired. It has been a crazy year and uh, in, in, in great ways. I mean, in so many great ways, um, man, grateful for the opportunity to be on the podcast, grateful for the opportunities from the podcast that, that have been mm-hmm. presented as a result. We get an opportunity to travel and mm-hmm. talk and interact with people from all over. Uh, this has been a, been a crazy year for, for me with the, uh, the, the G3 National Conference wrapping up and uh, all of that was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. And then, you know, we took we took a trip right after that to a British Reformation tour and coming back from that. And, and again, there's still work to be done before the close of the year. But uh, it's been a busy, busy time. And I would not have it any other way, man. We as 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 men of God who desire to glorify God and everything, man, it's great to to be busy and active uh, and engaged in, uh, in, in what, what, you know, what, what the Lord requires of us, using our gifts and talents uh, in every way, shape, and form for His glory, to edify, to equip, to encourage the church, um, and, and to do what we do, man, on this podcast, man. So it's all, it's all good. I'm grateful. Grateful for my family, for you, um, every, everything. It's, it's been such a blessed year. It yeah. has been such yeah. a blessed year when, yeah. I, when I go back and think about it. So Abund- it's been good. A, an abundantly blessed year. An abundantly blessed year. Absolutely. In, in, in many, many, many ways. Um, so um, one, one last thing, man, we're, we're talking about Thanksgiving. You know, we're right here at the end of the year. And I just want to say this will probably be, unless the Lord providentially rearranges things for us, this is likely to be the, the, the last episode of the Just Thinking Podcast that we will release uh, for 2023. And I just have to give a, a, a shout out to our listeners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we say V all the time as we travel across the country um, and we're talking with other people, uh, listeners and, and supporters that we meet that uh, listeners to the Justin podcast are, are unique. They're just different. I mean, they're, 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 how do you, how do you make sense of um, as we sit here right now, over 6 million downloads of our episodes over the five years that we've been doing 
this podcast. How do you make sense of that when our episodes are, um, you know, as, as lengthy as they are? I mean, we, we, we have three, three and a half hours uh, r- routinely, three, three and a half hour episodes. Uh, and yet our, the, the loyalty of our listeners just does not cease to amaze us. I mean, they, 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 they've been there with us from day one. Um, they pray for us. They support us. When we go out to conferences and speaking engagements, they show up uh, to meet us and greet us. And uh, I just have to give a heartfelt shout out to all of our listeners around the world. Uh, we do appreciate you. We don't take you for granted. Please know that. Uh, that that if, if it were not for you, uh, we would not be here. We would not be sitting here right now. And uh, just just thank you for hanging in there with us. Um, and, and, and I just don't know what else to say in terms of uh, expressing yeah. our appreciation to our listeners. Uh, v, you want anything to add to that, man? No, man. I think I think I think you summed it up well. And then and then too as well to all the folks who support us behind the scenes. You know, uh, yeah. all, all of our, our our volunteers and the work that they put in behind the scenes, tirelessly doing, p- posting up quotes and uh, editing stuff for us. And you know, we, we get the joy of of working and they and they do behind the scenes tirelessly without you know without a whole lot of in the, in the way of recognition recognition and 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 they don't seek it. You know, it's we we're, we're in a climate at a time when every, everybody's trying to trying to create their own platform and uh, be out in front and do their own thing. And, and, and the folks who volunteer for us behind the scenes, man, they, they really don't care about that. They're just wanting to help and, uh, and they do what they do. They help us to, they help us to make happen what we do. And so that's a, it's a tremendous blessing. Grateful for those guys as well, man. I echo that bro. And speaking of shout outs, man, I have a couple of uh, dedications as well as a couple of announcements that I want to make before we dive into the topic. In this episode, back fact, episode 125 of the Just Thinking Podcast, a couple of announcements first. I want to announce to our listeners that our upcoming book, Just Thinking About Ethnicity, is now available for pre-orders. Right, V? Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just Thinking About Ethnicity is now available for pre-orders. Now, Just Thinking About Ethnicity is the second in the Just Thinking trilogy of books that Virgil and I have co-authored through Founders Press. And to pre-order your copy of Just Thinking About Ethnicity, go to founders.org, founders.org slash shop. That's founders.org slash shop. The cost is $15.98 and orders will begin to ship in January 2024. So that's right around the corner. So go get your copy of, matter of fact, multiple copies of Just Thinking <laughs> About Ethnicity from founders.org slash shop. All right, now, second announcement is that applications are now being accepted for the Just Thinking Scholarship, which we're offering in partnership with the Master's University. Now, this is the fourth year of partnering with the Master's University on the Just Thinking Scholarship, which is open to new on-campus, okay, new on-campus TMU graduates, graduate students rather, undergraduate students, my mistake. Let me correct that. It's open to new on-campus TMU undergraduate students applying for fall 2024. Okay. On-campus TMU undergraduate students applying for fall 2024. And get this, winners, and we will select five winners, winners will receive a $40,000 scholarship awarded as $10,000 per year for up to four years. Now, for more information about the Justin Scholarship or to apply, go to masters, that's M-A-S-T-E-R-S dot E-D-U, masters dot E-D-U, and type Just Thinking Scholarship in the search bar. 
And please note that the deadline to apply for the Just Thinking Scholarship for 2024 is December 1st, 2023 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. All right, let me repeat that. The deadline to apply for the Just Thinking Scholarship is December 1st, 2023 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. All right, now that's it. For the announcement, Ms. V, but I do have a couple dedications to make, man, for this episode. And I'll turn it over to you, man, awesome. if anything you want to add. Yeah. First yeah. dedication I want to make is to a young listener by the name of Caleb. I met Caleb at the G3 National Conference in Atlanta in September, and I learned that he is a huge fan of the show and listens to every episode of the Justin Podcast along with his parents. So, Caleb... God bless you. I want to give you a shout out, young man. Thanks for listening to the Just Thinking Podcast. We appreciate your support. Next, we want to give a shout out to Miss Jacqueline Williams. Miss Jacqueline Williams. Jacqueline, I recently learned, V, is the mother of one of the staff members at Grace to You. She's a huge fan of the work that you and I do on the Just Thinking Podcast. So, Jacqueline, thanks very much for listening to the Just Thinking Podcast. We appreciate your prayers, your support, your encouragement very very much we pray that you will keep listening uh going forward all right so those are shout outs to caleb young caleb and miss jacqueline williams v what do you got you got anything man no man i I love that you do that and uh you you have a knack for or for finding these these young people uh who are listeners you you, you're it's a joy for me to watch as you engage the, the young, young, you know, listeners, these, these young kids that come up and, you know, <clears throat> there'll be a young, a young man come up, you know, five, six years old or eight years old, 10 years old, come up in a bow tie or something, you know, trying to kind of, yeah. kind of show that they're, <laughs> they're connected to us and that kind of thing. <clears throat> I love the, the, the interactions that, that you have with them. They're just, they're just really, uh, just warm, uh, and, and, and just really, it's, it's really, uh, transparent. It's, it's evident of, of, of the dad in you, the, the, the kind of father, fatherly nature in you. And, and, uh, and I, and I love that we do that, uh, on the podcast that we, that we take the time to, to, to identify those. It's funny though, bro, because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to men's conference. And I know you, you've been there too, where, 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 where grown men want, want shout outs on the podcast and everything. I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> well, no, I, you know, Daryl, Daryl, yeah, Daryl kind of reserves that. I kind of, I kind of let him do his thing with that. Cause he always finds the, you know, the, the young listener who's listening and, and connects, but no sh- shout out to all the men. I was just at a men's conference there, uh, out there in, in, in Austin, Texas, had a great time with the guys out there and, and, uh, had a few folks that, Hey, can you give me a shout out on the on the on the show and this that and the other night when you did that dedication it made me think of those guys so shout, shout out shout out to them yeah, well, I, so. I think those cats have us confused with radio djs man i mean you might you might do that on the, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a dj on the radio you, you you can give multiple people a shout out you know but but you know we we, we don't we don't have time to do that here and and, and to say with all due respect to those folks i get where they're coming from no but yeah. I, but I, I think if 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 we were to do that too often, if we were to start doing that as a routine, I think it would yeah. lose some of the uh, specialness about it. Some of the sure, sure. Some of the 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 the, the, the uniqueness uh, about that. So we kind of reserve. We don't do dedications very often. I think this might be in the five years that we've done this, we've done less than ten dedications. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, we we love those brothers and, and appreciate you know where they're coming from with that. But yeah, we we kind of reserve these dedications for really special instances. So, yeah. yeah. 
It's all good. No, bro, I'm I'm excited. Like I said, to be be back behind the microphone and and uh, back with you, man. Jump into jump into our topic. I, I don't have anything by way of, of announcements. I, I always encourage people to to check out everything that we're doing at G3. You're welcome to do that. Go to g3men.org. I think the next the next big conference that we have going on, uh, Daryl, is the uh, the Reformation uh, conference there in. It's going to be in South Lake, Texas, uh, at Countryside Bible. Uh, phenomenal lineup already of, of speakers that, that are going to be there. We're going to be talking about the aspects of the Reformation that uh, that, that, that don't get really covered. And mm-hmm. so I uh, definitely want people to go check that out. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping you, you, you're you going to be joining us. I, I'm going to, if not, I'll make sure that uh, that we get you and your team of folks there and and, uh, and and make it all happen. But that's that's what's that's what's going on. That's what's coming up. Go, go check that out. I want to say tickets are at their lowest price right now. In fact... Uh, this will drop the week of Thanksgiving. We are going to have a Black Friday sale of these tickets. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Okay. Did you really just call that Black Friday, V? <laughs> I can't, it is Black Friday, man. I can't, I can't right? believe, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> With, with 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 all the with all the uh, intersectionality and political correctness and stuff going on, I, I mean, you can I you know. can find a better word than black. No, I know, I, I know it's racist. I know it's racist. I get it. I totally get it. I totally. Get it. <laughs> you should you know you know you should have called it's Oppression Friday, bro. It's not black. It's Oppression. Uh, <laughs> it's Oppression Friday, dude. <laughs> black Friday. Coming from so, this. so it, it well, well, here's the deal. It, and, and, and you know, with the mindset that Black Friday is happening, that Oppression Friday is happening, I, sh- I should have just labeled it Oppression Friday. We, we, we're gonna get we, we, at G3. We get this is our form of reparations, right? This is a, a discounted ticket for. <laughs> <laughs> a discounted ticket for oh, our for, for those who want to come to the Reformation uh, conference, man. So de- de- definitely go check that out, and uh, uh, there'll be stuff in social media. It'll let you know kind of how to connect with that, and uh, uh, g- get online g3men.org and check that out, man. Oppression Friday, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't let you get away with Black Friday, man. Come on. <laughs> That's all I got over here, bro. That's it. I appreciate that, V. All right, so we're back together again, V. Episode 125. Man, I can't believe we've done this. is our 125th episode of the Just Thinking Podcast, and we're here today to talk about the gospel and the Enneagram. The gospel and the Enneagram. And as usual, what we do here on the Just Thinking Podcast, V, we want to start with definitions. I mean, we have to start with the fundamental building block of what the Enneagram is. And we're going to do that by defining it. All right. So what does the word Enneagram mean to begin with? Well, etymologically speaking, the word Enneagram is a compound of two Greek words. The first word is Ennea, E-N-N-E-A. And the second Greek word is Gramma, G-R-A-M-M-A. So you have Ennea and Gramma. Now the word Ennea means nine. And the word grammar refers to something written or drawn. So when you put those two Greek words together, you literally get the words, the word enneagramma. Okay. Enneagramma literally, or in the English, you have the word enneagram. Now, having given the definition of the word enneagram, I want to begin our our broader discussion of the enneagram by citing a 2011 white paper written by Sarah Ann Scott. 
of William & Mary University's School of Education titled An Analysis of the Validity of the Enneagram in which Sarah Ann Scott says this in describing what the Enneagram is, quote, the Enneagram is one system of personality typing that has become popular and used by hundreds of thousands of people since it was introduced to Western culture in the 1970s. It was developed without scientific or empirical evidence. I'm going to repeat that. It was developed, that is the Enneagram, was developed without scientific or empirical evidence. And yet it has been reported by medical and mental health professionals to be not just an accurate and reliable method of, quote, holding up the mirror, unquote, to individuals, but one that directs them toward a process of personal growth as well, unquote. Okay, so that was Sarah Ann Scott from her article, An Analysis of the Validity of the Enneagram. And Sarah Ann Scott isn't the only person to point out that, that, that fact about the Enneagram in terms of what it's used for, as she described it, to, uh, uh, to help people hold up a mirror to themselves. In a CNBC article dated March 21st, 2023, psychology reporter Aditi Srikant said this, quote, unlike attachment theory, which was founded by psychologist and psychiatrist John Bowlby in the mid 20th century, or even the less scientific driven five love languages created by a pastor who conducted decades of couples counseling, the Enneagram test has murky origins that are based in neither science nor experience, unquote. That's Aditi Shrikant in a CNBC article from March 23rd, 21st, 2023. She says the Enneagram test has murky origins that are based in neither science nor experience. Now, conversely, an article published on the website truity.com titled, What is the Enneagram of Personality? reads as follows, quote, the Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. Now, let me pause here for a second, V. When I first, when I read that first sentence, that the Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world, that phrase interpret the world means that the Enneagram helps you shape a worldview. Absolutely. So it goes beyond what she says here is a personality type test, but it also helps you develop a worldview. But let me continue the quote. The Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. There are nine Enneagram personality types, each of which has their own key motivations and fears that largely guide their actions and decisions. Understanding your primary type can be a powerful tool for self-knowledge and improvement in all areas of your life, both at home and in the workplace, unquote. So that's from the article on truity.com titled, What is the Enneagram of Personalities? Now, the Enneagram personality types as follows. In the, in, in the event that any of our listeners are unaware, and I'm sure that there are, there are more than a number of people, a small number of people that are unaware number one of what the Enneagram is and what the personality types are. But here are the nine Enneagram personality types. Okay. Number one is the perfectionist, the perfectionist. 
described as being motivated by the need to live life the right way, improve yourself and others and avoid anger. That's the perfectionist motivated by the need to live life the right way, improve yourself and others and avoid anger. Number two is the helper, the helper motivated by the need to be loved and appreciated to express your positive feelings toward others and to avoid being seen as needy. Uh, let me pause right here, V. I have to pause right here. I know I've only done two of the nine, mm -hmm. but I'm going to pick these back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're reading the descriptions of these uh, Enneagram personality types, and, and, and th th there's just so much, uh, even within the descriptions, uh, that the gospel is designed to address. Uh, so I'm looking, mm -hmm. for instance, I'm looking at the perfectionists, for instance. We did an episode on uh, biblical response to perfectionism. Uh, the perfectionist is described as motivated by the need to live life the right way, improve yourself and others, and avoid anger. Now, to me, I'm thinking, okay, that's legalism. That's legalism. That is mm -hmm. that, that. Now, that mm -hmm. sounds that sounds if when you read that description of the perfectionist, that sounds innocuous on the surface. Surface. Well, who, yes. someone yes. would say, well, who would want, who would not want to live life the right way? Who wouldn't want to improve themselves and, and others? And who, who wouldn't want to avoid anger? But see, that, that's just on the surface. See, but when you're, when you're reading those sort of surface level, innocuous, uh, unoffensive terms through the lens of the gospel, then you understand, no, I don't want to live as my life as a perfectionist. I don't want to live my, I don't, I don't want to live burdened by, uh, the weight of having to live the life the right way every day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in and of myself, in and of myself, this is, this is legalism. It's the same with the helper. The helper is described as motivated by the need to be loved and appreciated. I mean, if you're, if, if that's, if that's what's driving you every day, you could easily go into a state of depression if that's not happening for you. Right. You see where I'm going with this? If you're, if you're, if you wake up every day and you don't feel loved or appreciated, you don't get opportunity to express your positive feelings toward others and to avoid being seen as needy. I mean, who wants mm -hmm. to walk around with that kind of weight on their heart and mind? Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to put forth that I'm needy. I, 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 I really need to be loved and appreciated. Otherwise I'm not fulfilled. I'm not content. So that's kind of where the point I'm making there, there, there are just so many aspects of these descriptions that on the surface level sound virtuous, but they're really not. These, these, these are, mm -hmm. these are people who live under these Enneagram types and they see themselves in these ways as the Enneagram describes them. Uh, this is not the way you want to live. So let me just continue with the nine. Number three is the achiever. The achiever, the achiever is motivated by the need to be productive, to achieve success and to avoid failure. Now, again, how, how do you live life avoiding failure? <laughs> Nobody has ever done that. Mm -hmm. And if you sense that you have a desperate, dire need to not to never fail at anything, again, you could find yourself off into a state of depression. Number mm -hmm. four, the romantic. The romantic is number four, motivated by the need to understand your feelings and to be understood to search for the meaning of life and to avoid being ordinary. V, are you feeling me, bro? I mean, we could stop and have an episode on each one. We could on do nine episodes on each one of these. We can. Yeah. No, number five is the observer. 
The observer is motivated by the need to know everything and understand the universe, to be self-sufficient and left alone, and to avoid not having the answer or looking foolish. <laughs> to, to avoid not having the answer, that's impossible. <laughs> right, right, right. Number six, the questioner. The questioner is motivated by the need to receive approval, to feel taken care of, and to avoid being seen as rebellious or the counterphobic, mm -hmm. motivated by the need to rebel against all of the former. Okay, to avoid being seen as rebellious, to avoid being motivated by the need to rebel against all of the former. Okay, so all of the previous five. So number six doesn't want to be seen as being rebellious, but they're motivated by a need to receive approval. And if you don't get that approval, the questioner will rebel. So that's why these descriptions are so, they're, they're, they're so insufficient. They're just so weak mm -hmm. when you hold them up against the gospel. Number seven, the adventurer. The adventurer is motivated by the need to be happy and plan fun things to contribute to the world and to avoid suffering and pain. Avoid suffering and pain? <laughs> bro, bro, this is... Number eight, the asserter. The asserter. Motivated by the need to be self-reliant and strong, to make an impact on the world, and to avoid being weak. That's the asserter. Asserter is motivated by the need to be self-reliant and strong, to make an impact on the world, and to avoid being weak. And then lastly, number nine, the peacemaker. The peacemaker, according to the Enneagram, is motivated by the need to keep the peace, merge with others, and to avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. Bro, I'm just, you know, as I was preparing my notes, <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here right now just shaking my yep. head at, at every last one of these. This right. is not this is not reality. And so 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 notwithstanding what we're about to exposit with respect to what the Enneagram is its origins and its, and its, and, and the, 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 the sort of pagan elements of that quote unquote personality test, these nine Enneagram types, when you hold them up against the gospel, they just make absolutely zero sense. Yeah. Zero. Now, yep. the significance of all that I've just shared Omaha is that the overwhelming majority of people who have no issue with the Enneagram seem to view it as merely an innocuous, harmless, innocent, and unobjectionable, quote, system of personality typing, unquote, that can be helpful in guiding them to a deeper understanding of who they are, particularly as that deeper understanding relates to their actions and decisions. Now, that's precisely how the vast majority of individuals, including, by the way, many professing Christians, view the Enneagram, and that's despite the fact that, again, as I've quoted from three different sources earlier, that the Enneagram can be objectively proven as having been developed without any scientific or empirical evidence. So the Enneagram, as popular as it may be with many people today, has origins that are, that are objectively suspect, to say the least. Now, we're going to have much, much more to say about the origins of the Enneagram later in this episode, Omaha. But for now, man, what thoughts do you have on what we've covered here initially? <clears throat> I think you're I think you're spot on. I think two things are happening. The first is that in the same way that Christians embraced 
uh, many Christians embraced uh, the views around social justice uh, in the way that many uh, after after George Floyd, uh, you know, happened, raced into pulpits uh, to be the ones to say Black Lives Matter uh, in the same way that that almost every single ideology, man-made ideology has entered into uh, evangelicalism in the way that feminism uh, has been embraced in the way that we that we now have witnessed the trajectory of feminism to the point where, you know, the idea of a woman pastor is is normative, you know, or, or, or at least seen as what's what's the problem with it. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. And that's in that in that same way where we never we, we, we view something that enters Christian circles as, oh, that's just that's that's not that big a deal. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's no big deal. Like, mm-hmm. that's just that's just kind of cool. I mean, that's just kind of I mean, we just, yeah, we're all just kind of we're just getting along and we never question its origins in the same way that that was done previously. Christians have done with the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the normal trajectory now is if you question something that it seems the masses have already embraced, then you're the one who's strange. So right. so once again, once again, Daryl. It's 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 you and me who are the crazies, who are the zealots, who are making a mountain out of a molehill. Where where you know and you know we were those same guys who when 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 Black Lives Matter were collecting hundreds of millions of dollars into their coffers, we were the ones saying, you know what, uh, this is a farce, and these people are 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 making money on the blacks on the backs of black dead men. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we sounded crazy. Mm-hmm. We sounded absolutely crazy. And even now, as we talk about this particular subject and we're asking the questions, is this something that Christians should engage in? People are going to say, man, those guys are just here. They go again, you know, making, making a big deal out of nothing. Hey, Th- hey, those are, those are kind of my, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to say real, real quick, Vee, sorry for interrupting you, but, uh, you're making an excellent point. And one other example of the point, just to sort of solidify even further, the point that you're making, people are saying about the Enneagram, the same thing they said about CRT when critical race theory was right. first introduced into two. Right. What did they describe critical race theory? And I'm talking about within the church. You have people yeah, within it's, the church. It's, embracing, it's a tool. It's just, a, hey, it's just an analytical tool. And exactly. They're saying the exact, I mean, verbatim, they're saying the exact same mm-hmm. thing about the Enneagram. Well, it's just an yep. analytical tool. Same thing, right? Yep. Am I right? Yep. No, that's spot on. That's spot on. Now, while the Enneagram may be the latest, latest fad in self-discovery, its lack of empirical backing should raise a few eyebrows. Christians should pause before becoming enamored with this pagan tool. But like most newfound fads, Christians are following culture and people are flocking to it like moths to a flame with no one asking, what's the light behind the heat? The Enneagram was born. Not wait, 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 <laughs> Bro, I got, I got to ask for some early Hammond B3 on this one, bro. Can, can, you, mark, can you mark that one? I, I need some early Hammond B3 on this one, bro. I love that. Can you? Would you mind repeating that, man, please? That was really solid. Absolutely. 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 Like most newfound fads, Christians are following the culture and people are flocking to it like moths to a flame with no one asking, what's that light behind the heat? The Enneagram was born not from scientific research, but from the abstract minds of men, making it as flawed as the humans who conceived it. 
The idea being embraced here is far from science, as the Enneagram actually tr actually trades on pseudo-spirituality. Uh, despite the Enneagram's obvious shortcomings, its popularity has skyrocketed, especially among Christians. They claim that it provides a roadmap for personal growth, but no one, again, is asking any questions. A, a simple question would be, is it really guiding us on the right path? Or is the path one that leads to destruction? Here, we're relying on a compass that actually has, has no true north. Without scientific or even experiential foundations, the Enneagram is like a ship without a rudder, subject to the whims and fancies of those who interpret it. Critically speaking, the Enneagram offers a crutch, to people to, for, a crutch for people to lean on, an excuse for their actions and decisions. Mm. But, it's, but, but is it healthy or even beneficial in the long run? Are we creating self-aware individuals or simply people who hide behind labels of a, of a quote-unquote personality test? It seems we're moving away from taking responsibility for our actions and instead attributing them to Enneagram's personality types. The Enneagram's nine personality types are alluring in their simplicity, but, is, but life isn't simple. We're complex beings capable of growth and change and boxing ourselves into some Enneagram type may be comforting, but it's also limiting. And, and not to mention that, that it, it rejects the idea that, that we are complex human beings created in the image of God. The Enneagram, though popular and intriguing, lacks the objective truth we need to understand ourselves better. For some, the Enneagram is a tantalizing fruit. However, in my estimation, it's a fruit that will leave a sour taste in the mouths of those interested in its first bite. That's what I got for you, Doc. Man, that was so solid, V. I appreciate you going through it as the way you did, just laying that out, man, contextualizing that for us, what the Enneagram really is in terms of its... Uh, attractiveness is allurement and and then the reality mm -hmm. of that i love the phrase man the light behind the heat and we don't we don't take mm -hmm. time to, to investigate that you know i mentioned earlier at the outset of our episode uh that the vast majority of those who embrace the enneagram they view it merely as a benign way of discovering their own personality type but it has to be said here that personality has more to do first and foremost with who we are on the inside who we are inwardly and that any outward or external expressions of ourselves are merely evidences of who we are on the inside, in our heart. Yes. That's what Mark yes. chapter 7, verses 17 through 23 talks about. Um, but beyond its use as a tool for interpreting personality type, as a so-called tool for interpreting personality type, what should concern those of us who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ is that the Enneagram has a spiritual definition and application as well. Now, I want our mm, listeners to think about that. I want our listeners to think about that, V, against the backdrop of this passage from the book titled The Wisdom of the Enneagram, subtitled The Complete Guide to Psychological and Spiritual Growth for the Nine Personality Types, co-authored by Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson, who in that book write this, quote, the core truth that the Enneagram conveys to us is that we are much more than our personality. Now, let me stop right there. <laughs> Hear these guys say, all right, and, and we sources we've cited here uh, uh, to this point in the episode have been very consistent in describing the Enneagram as a tool for testing one's personality type. That has been the deep the primary and single lane 
that these people have been in, in terms of describing what the Enneagram is. And now we have Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson in their book, the wisdom of the Enneagram saying that the Enneagram is much more than our personality. Mm-hmm. It's much more than that. Now, bro, bro, let, 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 go, me, let, go me, ahead, add, let me add this. I, this is what happens every time with these ideas, right? They're, they're the, oh, this, oh, it's just a little personality. Oh, it's just a, it, it's just a, ends up becoming right. just a that and just a that mm-hmm. and just, and then it gets added to. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then we see what was supposed to be this, this little bitty tool that we thought was innocuous. Now it's, it's got tremendous impact and it, and what ends up coming out of it is an entire, you mentioned it earlier, an entire world of view, right. an entire way to right. in which we view the world. Yep. Yeah. And see what I love about what you and I do here on the Justin Q podcast, bro, is we don't just sit here and give you our opinions about, in this case, the Enneagram. We're not going to sit here and tell you for three hours or so and say, well, here's what I think about that. No, we get to tell you what they say, <laughs> what these first, mm-hmm. these are first source mm-hmm. quotes that we're giving you. This is what these proponents and advocates, teachers and propagators of the Enneagram say about the Enneagram themselves. So now all of, all of a sudden we're finding out from Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson. Oh no, the Enneagram isn't just a personality type test. It's much more than that. And see, that reminds me, and I, I'm going to finish the quote here in a second. But as I, as I read this quote, uh, by uh, Riso and Hudson, that the core truth that the Enneagram conveys to us is that we are much more than our personality. I'm reminded of one of my favorite Puritan books is written by Thomas Brooks. The books was the book is uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan De- Satan's Devices. Precious mm. Remedies Against Satan's Devices, where in that book, Brooks says that the primary device Satan uses to lure the believer into sin is to present the bait and hide the hook. Present right, the right, bait exactly. and hide the hook. See, the bait of the Enneagram is that it's just, a, like you just said, V, it's just a, it's just a harmless personality tool. Mm-hmm. But see, Brooks's use of a fishing analogy in terms of how Satan deviously allures us into, into things like the Enneagram is that he'll present the bait. This is, this is how you catch fish. You catch fish because the fish sees the bait, but they don't see the hook behind the bait. That's the point that Brooks is making here, where Satan presents the bait, but he hides the hook. And as I read this, V, from Riso and Hudson, that the Enneagram is much more than our, the Enneagram conveys to us that we are much more than our personality. I can't help asking myself, man, why is it that we as Christians, we're always looking for something extra. Uh-huh. I mean, huh? we're always looking for something extra. Mm-hmm. It's as if what Christ has done on the cross and coming into this sinful world, rescuing believers from the wrath of God. You've been created in his image, as you alluded to earlier, V. We've been created in the image of God. And yet, we always want something more. I'm reminded of when, uh, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus, where the, the crucifixion account in the Gospel of Mark, where Mark notes that there were crowds surrounding Jesus and mocking him. 
uh, where one, one person says, no, come down from the cross and then we will believe. We, we always want something extra. We always want sprinkles yep. on the yep. ice cream cone. We always want yep. sprinkle on the, we always want extra honey mustard with our chicken fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the, see, the, the enneagram is that. The enneagram is yeah. that. It's that extra. Yeah. It's that extra. Well, let me go ahead. I'm gonna tell you right. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm 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 marking that for for, for just for just a little hammond. Somebody need somebody need to hammond that that little part up right there. <laughs> I mean, I got I got I got that mark. I'm saying, bro, V. Again, you have. Uh, in this case, Riso and Hudson, who are moonwalking right into what you just said a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That we don't take the time to investigate the light behind the heat. Right. We don't take right. time to investigate that. And mm-hmm. that's why the Just Thinking podcast is an expository podcast, because we peel back these layers and in this case, the layer of the Enneagram. We have these guys who themselves say, no, the Enneagram is, it tells us that we're much more than our personality. And we're going to demonstrate that even further as we go through this episode. But let me go ahead and continue the quote from the book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, The Complete Guide to Psychological and Spiritual Growth for the Nine Personality Types. Now, again, uh, the authors are Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson. I'm going to read the full quote. The core truth that the Enneagram conveys to us is that we are much more than our personality type. Our personalities are no more than the familiar, conditioned parts of a much wider range of potentials that we all possess. Beyond the limitations of our personalities, each of us exists as a vast, largely unrecognized quality of being or presence. And let me stop right here and say that Riso and Hudson capitalize being and presence. They capitalize those words. So when, when they say we are a largely unrecognized quality of being or presence, that's capital B, capital P. We are largely unrecognized quality of being or presence, what, or what is called our essence, capital E. In, I'm still quoting uh, Riso and Hudson. In spiritual language, we could say that within each person, now hold on to your steering wheel, folks. In spiritual language, we could say that within each person is an individual spark of the divine. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, V. The light behind Here the we heat. Go. Yep. We could say that within each person is an individual spark of the divine, capital D. Although we have forgotten this fundamental truth because we have fallen asleep to our true nature, unquote. Yeah. Again, that was from Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson from their book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. So what you heard in that quote from Riso and Hudson Omaha was a very subtle graduation, if you will, of the Enneagram being uh, or going from being merely a temporal personality test to a spiritual device or mechanism that helps you realize who you truly are. In other words, mm-hmm. contrary to simply being a means of discovering one's personality type, as many people understand the Enneagram to be, the true value of the Enneagram is, it, is that it purports to help, help its users, or in some instances, 
discover and rediscover in some instances their true identity, which according to Riso and Hudson is divine. Mm-hmm. And no, we know that anything that can be said to be divine is by definition is said to be equal with God. Right, right. This is this is this is at at least Gnostic language. At least at, at worst at least Gnostic language. At worst something more devious. Again, this is what we're trying to help our listeners understand is the light behind the heat. V, I'm going to continue to use that phraseology. That was brilliant that you used that that uh, metaphor there uh, 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 earlier. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the light mm-hmm. behind the heat. Yep. The the, the, the enneagram has never been <laughs> a personality type tool. That's the that's the bait that has the hook. Mm-hmm. Now. I'd like our listeners to consider what I've just said, Omaha, in light of an April 17th, 2019 article written by Brandon Medina for the website TheologyThinkTank.com titled The Enneagram, A History, Part One, in which Medina says, and I believe very astutely, he says this, quote, The Enneagram is quite literally exploding on the Christian scene and few corners of the Christian landscape have not been impacted. But what is the Enneagram? Simply, the Enneagram is a tool that helps the user to discover their Enneagram number, which is said to represent not only a person's personality, but also the area in a person's life that is hindering his or her spiritual development. Now, let me pause on this quote. V, you got something sounds like you <laughs> might have some. Yeah, bro. I'm like, I'm like somebody like this is, I, I know people, I know people tone police us. I know people tone police us, right? <laughs> they do. There, there should be some kind of a, of a sound that's created when the radar screen should go off. When you hear someone say certain things, like as soon as you said that, bro, I sat up in my seat, like, okay, okay. There's a, we need to have like a red flag button, like ping or something. Be like, yeah. where, where if someone's, if someone's hearing a quote, all of a sudden they should hear and then, and then they recognize, oh, I need to pay attention to the word they're about to use because it's, it's disconnecting me from Christian belief. It's disconnecting me or it's identifying its replacement yes, of, it's a, repl- of a Christian idea. Bingo. Bingo. Exactly, V. It's replacement. It's replacement. Maybe LG can hook us yeah. up with something in post-production, man. Maybe you can mark that <laughs> LG can hook us up, up with something, but I totally agree. I'm thinking in my head, man, we need to have something to go, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will, Will Robinson, danger. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. You know, we, 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 need, we need to have something that gets people's attention. Because I'm thinking here as I, yes. read, as I, as I read this quote, if, if, if the Enneagram is just a personality typing tool, what in the world does that have to do with spiritual development? You see, right. so you see how the, the two emerge now? The two are merging together. Yes. That's the light behind the heat. Is that the Enneagram is a spiritual yes. tool. It's not that's not personality yes. type tool. So let me just start from the beginning real quick from by this quote from uh <clears throat> read this quote from uh Brandon Medina. Uh again, the Enneagram is quite literally exploding on the Christian scene, and few corners of the Christian landscape have not been impacted. But what is the Enneagram? Simply, the Enneagram is a tool that helps the user to discover their Enneagram number, which is said to represent not only a person's, not only a person's personality, but also the area in a person's life that is hindering his or her spiritual development. In short, I'm still quoting Medina. In short, the number defines and identifies who you are and where you struggle. 
Supporters claim the Enneagram was stolen from Christianity, but history does not back this up. They propose the numbering system is ancient, but facts don't back this up. And they teach that your identity is found in your Enneagram number, but the Bible doesn't back this up. In fact, the Bible says that our identity is found in Jesus Christ and that he, not the Enneagram, began a work in us, which he, by his spirit, will complete. That's Philippians 1.6, end of quote. Now those words from Brandon Medina provide us with a biblical perspective of the Enneagram, but a very different perspective on the origin and purpose of the Enneagram is found in the book titled The Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram, subtitled Nine Faces of the Soul, written by Sandra Maitri. That last name is spelled M-A-I-T-R-I. The Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram, Nine Faces of the Soul. And if you're driving, listening to this yeah. episode right now, you might want to pull over for what you're about to hear <laughs> over the next few minutes. Sandra Maitri, according to her website, is, quote, an artist, an author, an Enneagram teacher, and a longtime teacher of the diamond approach to inner realization. She was among the first group of students to whom the Chilean psychiatrist Claudio Naranjo, and you'll hear more about him later. Claudio Naranjo presented the Enneagram system in the United States in the early 1970s. She has been teaching the Enneagram as part of the larger work of spiritual transformation. There we go again, V. Spiritual, she's been teaching the Enneagram as part of the larger work of spiritual transformation for over four decades, unquote. But hey, wait, 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 wait. I thought we were talking about personality tests. Mm-mm. Oh, this is just this is just a bro. This is just a personality it, test, bro. Man. This is just, we making we making too much we making too much of things. This is just a personality it's test. It's just an analytical tool. It's just That's, an analytical tool, Doc. I mean, what's the big deal? Now, having introduced you to Enneagram <laughs> teacher Sandra Maitri, we about to really get canceled now, V, because we I mean we 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 getting all in, we getting all in people's business now, man. <laughs> now, having introduced you to Enneagram teacher Sandra Maitri. And I will get to her quote in a minute. I'm, 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 I'm going to quote from that book, The Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. I'm going to get to that quote in a minute. But you may be wondering, based on what I read previously about Maitri being a longtime teacher of what's called the diamond approach to inner realization. You may be wondering, what is the diamond approach to inner, inner realization that Maitri teaches? What is that? Well, according to the website, diamondapproach.org, the diamond approach is, quote, a modern day spiritual path. It brings forth a unique understanding of ancient spiritual wisdom and modern psychology to help students uncover their true potential. Now, what does that sound like, V? Sounds like the Enneagram. It sounds like what we just described the Enneagram as. A tool to help people uncover their true potential. This is the light behind the heat. The Diamond Approach, I'm continuing to read from the Diamond Approach website. The Diamond Approach invites us to discover our inner love of truth solely for its own sake. You simply need a sincere desire to know what is true about yourself. The teachings, 
practices, and community are a path for for self-exploration that support greater self-awareness and a more fulfilling life. Individuals develop a deeper understanding of themselves and of their true nature, unquote. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the orthodoxy, okay? That's the orthodoxy of the diamond approach. But what is the orthopraxy of that philosophy? What is the diamond approach in terms of its practice or its praxis? Well, Mm -hmm. according to that same website, diamondapproach.org, quote, Our central practice of diamond inquiry, they call it, our central practice of diamond inquiry engages and explores our inner world such that each experience deepens and reveals its meaning. Over time, our experience is increasingly informed by innate qualities of our being, capital B, love, joy, strength, will, compassion, and peace, among others, that have been hidden by, hidden by unconscious beliefs and attitudes, along with verbal, verbal exploration. Along with verbal exploration, we use, listen to this, along with verbal exploration, we use movement practices and breath work to engage the wisdom of the body in diamond inquiry. Diamond approach teachings are offered in an organic deepening sequence for us to explore personally with others in groups. We learn from each other in these settings and are supported by the witnessing of fellow students. The openness of this approach invites us to contact our own inner guidance to discover and fulfill our potential in our own unique timing and way, unquote. Now, if our listeners were tuned in closely, they heard all this sort of new age mystic vernacular. Mm -hmm. Middle Eastern shamanism is what this is. Mm -hmm. When you see terms Mm -hmm. like movement practices, breath work, deepening sequence, inner guidance, this this woman is an Enneagram teacher. Okay, Mm -hmm. Sandra Maitri, she's an Enneagram teacher professional. Now, a little bit more about the diamond approach. The diamond approach is a product of what is known as the Ridwan school. Ridwan is spelled R-I-D-H-W-A-N. The Ridwan school was found, was co-founded rather by Hamid Ali and Karen Johnson. Hamid Ali. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to interrupt you, Daryl. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because at, at at this point, at this point, before you get into this quote, brother, we need to give what, I, what I'm now terming the, the, the Morpheus warning, right? The Morpheus warning. This is, this is the, the, the warning that Morpheus gave Neo when, when he handed him a red pill and a blue pill, right? Okay. He, he, said, he told him, he said, this is your last chance. After this, there's no turning back. You take the blue pill and the story ends. You wake up in your bed, you believe whatever you want to believe. So if, if, if listeners don't want to hear anymore, they can stop now. Take the blue pill, go back to their Enneagram practice, and believe whatever they want to believe. But after after you after these next few minutes, they're about to take the red pill, and, and they're going to stay in Wonderland until we finish this podcast, and they're going to see how far this rabbit hole actually yes, goes. Yes, That's sir. what's about to happen. Yes, sir. So this is this is this, this is your Morpheus warning right here as as Daryl unpacks this next this next quote. 
And see, what I appreciate about what you just said there, V, using the, the, uh, the, uh, the Morpheus warning, is that what we've done to this point, we've taken the listener from the 50,000 foot level about what the Enneagram is, prop is propagated to be. See, now we're going deep. We've taken you from the tip of Mount Everest, and now we're going, we're working our way down to by the time we're done, you're going to be beneath Mount Everest. <laughs> and see what's really undergirding this whole narrative around the Enneagram. But I was talking about the Ridwan school and the Ridwan school being the origin of the diamond approach and the diamond approach being uh, uh, a, a, uh, a, an, an aspect of one of the foremost Enneagram teachers in the world, Sandra Maitri. Now, the Ridwan school, as I mentioned, was founded by Hamid Ali and Karen Johnson. Now, you need to hear a little bit about both of those individuals. First of all, Hamid Ali. Hamid Ali was born in Kuwait in 1944. At the age of 18, he moved to the United States to study at the University of California, Berkeley. That should tell you all you need to know right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hamid was working on his PhD in physics when he reached a turning point in his life and destiny that led him to inquire into the psychological and spiritual aspects of human nature rather than the physical nature of the universe. He left the academic world to pursue an in-depth journey of inner discovery, applying his scientific precision and discipline to personal experiential research. This included study with different teachers in different modalities, extensive reading and continuous study of his own consciousness in an effort to understand the essential nature of human experience and reality in general. Hamid's process of exploring led to the creation of the Ridwan School and with Karen Johnson resulted in the founding and unfoldment of the Diamond Approach. Okay, so that was Hamid Ali. He was one of the founders, one of the two founders of the Ridwan School. The second founder was Karen Johnson. Karen Johnson is the co-developer of the Diamond Approach as it is taught in the Ridwan School today, having worked alongside Hamid Ali for the last 40 years. Karen was trained in art and dance and began the journey into the spiritual universe at 14 years old with the guidance of her parents. First, she was introduced, listen to this. First, she was introduced to yoga and meditation and then learned about other forms of spiritual practice, which allowed her to develop her innate paranormal capacities. This is Karen Johnson, one of the co-founders of the Ridwan School, which developed and teaches the diamond approach, which is an outflow of the Enneagram. Of Karen Johnson, it says that she was introduced to yoga and meditation and then learned about other forms of spiritual practice, which allowed her to develop her innate paranormal capacities. After attending California College of Arts and Crafts, Arts and Crafts, she befriended Hamid Ali and with him began a new trajectory into the secrets of the universe of being, B with a capital B, which became the diamond approach. Now, that's who you're dealing with, folks. That's, that's, that's some of the philosophy and ideology that undergirds the Enneagram in terms of its origins, influences, 
and uh, purposes, goals, and objectives. Now, I hope you're beginning to understand, listeners, the depth of spiritual paganism that is inherent in the Enneagram and that is practiced by those who, who endorse it. But that said, here's the quote from Sandro Maitri that I alluded to earlier. And, and listen closely, please. Again, this is from Maitri's book titled The Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram, Nine Faces of the Soul. And I think that subtitle V is it, we, we should not overlook that because, again, the Enneagram is being marketed and promoted as a personality tool, a personality test tool, which which generally speaking on the surface has to do with the mind. But here is Maitri. She subtitled her book, Nine Faces of the Soul, which which takes you to a spiritual dimension of all this. But Maitri says this. She says, quote. Again, if you're driving, you might want to pull over. I mean, I'm sorry, but I am. So this is this is just some revealing stuff about the Enneagram. Maitri said this, quote, the figure of the Enneagram is made up of an inner triangle linking points nine, six and three and an outer shape formed by the linking of points one, four, two, eight, five and seven. These two forms do not intersect. And so the inner triangle is a separate entity of sorts. On the level of the Enneagram of personality, the inner triangle represents factors responsible for and stages in an archetypal process, that of the loss of contact with our fundamental or essential nature and the concurrent development of an ego structure. Our essential nature is who we are when we experience ourselves free from the influence of the past, it is our innate and unconditioned state of consciousness. Each of the enneotypes on the triangle can be seen as quote, specializing unquote, or being formed around one of the three archetypal factors in this loss. Loss referring to the loss of contact with our fundamental or essential nature, as she said earlier. Wow. Still, still quoting Maitri. They also can be seen as highlighting or focused around the three corresponding phases in the process of ego development. Ego development is sort of a mystic way of saying the development of the inner self. Okay. Continuing to quote Maitri. In contrast, the other points on the Enneagram can be seen as further elaborations of this process of ego development. Understanding the process represented by the inner triangle not only helps us understand the Enneagram of personality, but also helps us understand what we all need to confront within ourselves to reconnect with our essential nature, unquote. Now, in all of that, V, I didn't hear a single reference, even indirectly, to those nine Enneagram personalities that we reviewed <laughs> earlier. That's, that's because the Enneagram is not about personality types. This is, this, is, this is about you trying to recognize your inner divinity is what this thing yes. is. That's what this thing fundamentally yes. is about. I mean, that quote, yep. that quote that I just read from Sandra Maichi is oozing with pagan mysticism and Gnosticism. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, notwithstanding, yep. right? Notwithstanding that our essential nature, quote unquote, is sinful, according to verses like Genesis 6, 5 
Ecclesiastes 7.19, and Romans 3.23, sadly, today, there are increasing numbers of professing Christians who look to the Enneagram to accomplish for themselves what only the gospel of Jesus Christ can. That's the saddest thing about this. This is exactly what I meant when I said uh, several minutes ago that we're always looking for something extra. We always want that extra. I mean, one example of that is the following testimonial from self, from, from self-described quote certified Enneagram coach, Kim Eddy, last name is spelled E D D Y Kim Eddy, who in her book titled the Enneagram for beginners subtitled a Christian guide to understanding your type for a God centered life. This is where I get infuriated. This is exactly the point at which I go ballistic because again, we're taking pagan Gnostic mysticism and sprinkling Christianese over the top for the masses to, to, to inject. I mean, this is, this is where I absolutely lose it. And there's a ton of this. I mean, this is, I know, I know you're going to quote from this, this, you know, this particular author on with this book, but there are literally, you Google it. There are literally hundreds of books that show you how to apply the Enneagram's ideology to Christianity. And, and, and it's, it's, it's foreign. We don't have to do this. We don't have a deficient uh, gospel. We don't have a, a deficient scripture that needs, that needs some additive to it in order to, in order to have the, you know, the, the personal impact on our lives that we, that are, that's necessary. God's word is sufficient for this kind of thing, but constantly time and time again, we were, we, we, you know, we resort to these kinds of tactics. V, as I listen to you right there, you know, to what I said earlier about, you know, how we always want something extra, man. Share with the listeners, what is your favorite Starbucks concoction? <laughs> Share with our listeners, what's your right, favorite? Right, yeah, right, right, right now I do, I do a venti blonde roast coffee. I do, I do, I'm doing three Splenda, right? I know that's, I know that's very sugary, right? I do steamed cream. I have to have cinnamon powder on the top of that. That takes it to a whole nother level. That's yeah, my see, that's see, my concoction in the morning. See, 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 the enneagram is like that in, in terms of <laughs> in terms of people like Kim Eddy. The enneagram right, is like we're right. gonna we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll up to our, our gospel Starbucks, right? And 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 uh, we we know Romans five six that at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, that's cool. But I need some. I need three Splenda. I need, cin- right. I, need, I need cinnamon this. I, I, need, I, need, I need you to add this. Oh, and don't forget this. And, and see, the, the Enneagram's like that. It's, right. it, it, here is Kim Eddy. Again, self-described, pr- professing Christian, by the way, self-described certified Enneagram coach, Kim Eddy. In a book, t- and the subtitle is, 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 is enough to make you want to just, you know, throw a brick through the TV. Her book titled The Enneagram for Beginners, A Christian Guide to Understanding Your Type for a God-Centered Life. Even within the title of the title, the subtitle of the book by a professing Christian author, is this pagan mystic Gnostic vernacular uh-huh. that says, no, you need to use the Enneagram if you're going to fulfill your for, not just fulfill your full, full potential, but if you're going to realize your true identity as divine. It's 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 uh it's, it's Gnostic Starbucks is what I'm gonna call it. <laughs> it's, it's Gnostic Starbucks. Absolutely. But yep. in, in, in that book, Kim Eddy says this quote: 
getting to know myself. And see, I think this is the draw. Uh, let me just, as an aside, be say, I think what, what you're going to hear Eddie say here is the draw of the Enneagram, particularly to women, particularly mm. to women, because the Enneagram is just like the serpent in the garden. The serpent took advantage of how God had wired Eve. Women are, are wired by God to be more emotional. They're more feelings oriented. And what you're going to have, what you're going to hear me quote here from Kim Eddy from her book is, 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 is directly, uh, shaped, framed and mirrored to, uh, to sort of, uh, resonate within women's, especially women's feelings and emotions. But Eddie says this quote, getting to know myself through the dual lenses of the Enneagram and Christianity has, and so she's saying right there with it, that the Enneagram isn't Christianity. She says, that's why she makes the distinction with the preposition and getting to know myself through the dual lenses of the Enneagram and Christianity has allowed me to communicate more deeply, understand more compassionately and express myself more fully than ever before. Incorporating it into my coaching practice has helped many people do the same in countless churches, ministries, businesses, and families. The Enneagram is being used to grow in empathy provide more personalized and unique support and improve relationships. Not because the Enneagram is magical, but because it gives all of us a window into each other's hearts, helping us to see the person, not just their actions. No other personality system has given us this gift to see beyond the way. I mean, that's unreal. That's unreal. To see beyond the ways we try to cope in this uncertain world. See, there's the Gnosticism. The the Enneagram helps you see beyond the -hmm. ways we try to cope in this uncertain world. Straight to the fears and longings that drive us in life. Knowing these things about each other not only induces empathy, but improves how we can encourage each other and point one another to Jesus. Each in our unique way. Unquote. That was from the book, The Enneagram for Beginners, A Christian Guide to Understanding Your Type for a God-Centered Life by Kim Eddy, Self-Described Certified Enneagram Coach. Now, I don't know what anyone else might be thinking about what Kim Eddy said, but to me, what she's saying, again, is nothing short of pure, unfiltered Gnosticism. That's exactly what this is. I'm going to have more to say about the relationship between the Enneagram and Gnosticism later. But consider for a moment what Kim Eddy said, that the Enneagram is unique in that no other personality system has given us this gift Mm, mm, mm. to see beyond the ways we try to cope in this uncertain world, straight to the fears and longings that drive us in life. I'm like, really? Well, what about, what about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, no, no. What Enneagram. It's it's Enneagram. Nope. Enneagram. It's Enneagram. Enneagram. Yep. Yep. Nope. I mean, that's just by, by, the, the the Bible's insufficient. The Spirit of God is insufficient. We <laughs> need the Enneagram. That's what's needed. I mean, one might expect Omaha for unbelievers to resort to such worldly tactics as the Enneagram to discover, as Brian Medina said in, in earlier in a quote that I referenced from him, who you are and where you struggle. But for the professing Christian, 
The word of Almighty God should be the only source through which we are to develop and apply a proper theological anthropology of ourselves. As Dr. Burke Parsons says in an article published in the July 2020 issue of Table Talk magazine titled, Who Am I? Aptly, right? Appropriately titled, Who Am I? Mm -hmm. Dr. Parsons says this, quote, Most people in the world do not know why they are here, who they really are, where they have come from, or where they are going. Furthermore, they hold to an altogether wrong view of themselves, believing that they are fundamentally good, were born good, and that they're on their way to a good place. They don't understand that they are guilty sinners, conceived in sin, born with a sinful nature, living under the wrath of God and awaiting God's just condemnation. All humanity is by nature in a state of sin, and all people desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, not the Enneagram, mm -hmm. that by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, they might be justified before God by faith alone and eternally saved through Christ. Only through the Spirit's work in us, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, does God show us who we really are, so that when we are moved by the Spirit to ask, who am I? We can humbly and boldly declare, I was conceived in sin, born a sinner, deserving of condemnation, but I have been born again by the Spirit, have been united to Jesus Christ, and am bound for glory. That's who I am. My identity by God's grace is in Christ. Unquote. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was Dr. Burt Parsons dropping the mic in a July 2020 <laughs> issue of Table Talk magazine titled, Who Am I? V, what you got? Bro, that was phenomenal. I mean, if, if there was ever any question uh, in the minds of the listeners where, where this where the origins of this, uh, you know, this Gnostic, uh, mystic um, ideology is is grounded, that should that should be it. I mean, uh, th they've adequately been red pilled at this point, adequately been red pilled. But but here's here's the crazy part. We, we, we're not done. Like we're, we're right. not even done. Right. Uh, the, 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 the reality is that every time we address one of these issues, we, we don't we don't just smooth over the top layers. We go all the way to the core. Right. The the the, the left like to call it root causes. Well, we, we're going to root out the, yep. the sinfulness of this wicked paganistic ideology uh, so that it can be exposed for all of, of, of what it is. And, and again, this is our pattern. We, we've done this with every subject topic we've taken on, and and for for the for the average you know uh, person looking trying to examine you know what are these guys doing? This is only some innocuous little harmless little personality test. Well, I think we've exposed at this point that that's that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. While the arg while the argue while some may argue uh, that the enneagram is just a harmless personality test or system. What you've shared, Daryl, what you've shared with our listeners, they should now recognize its roots, at least in, in Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of discovering one's, quote, essential nature through a series of personality types should be sufficient to cause a Bible-believing Christian to pause and ask a lot of questions. M many of those I addressed earlier. As Christians, 
Our source for understanding and identity should be rooted in the word of God. We are not defined by our personality types or Enneagram number, but by our identity as children of God through faith in Christ. Now, I can hear the skeptic Daryl saying, yeah, but it's just a it's just a personality test. I, I don't I don't look at it for all of what you guys just explained. I just look at it as a harmless personality test. The problem with that conclusion is that far too often People are eager to embrace some new identity that disconnects them from responsibility or the painstaking challenge that Christ requires that we die to self, pick up our cross and follow him. Furthermore, incorporating the Enneagram into our faith distracts us. And you said this earlier, Daryl, it distracts us from the true message of the gospel mm-hmm. and leads us away from our reliance on the Holy Spirit for guidance and transformation. Mm-hmm. Yep. You said that earlier. Instead of trying to find our identity and purpose through the Enneagram, we should turn to God's word and seek his will for our lives. While the Enneagram may seem appealing or helpful on the surface, it's not a reliable or a biblical tool for spiritual growth. And again, the the suggestion I, I can I can hear as I say that I can hear you know the, the 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 naysayers going well I don't use it as a tool for spiritual growth. That's fine. That was its intent. That was as the you idea. Just heard that was the, that, that was, was the that, whole, that was the bait and hide the hook. That was the, that was the goal. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. That was. That was the whole idea behind its, its, its implementation to begin with. Instead of any Enneagram, we should be focusing on the eternal gram of God's word as we choose to deepen our walk and understanding of who we are as Christians and living out our faith. Absolutely what we need to do. Forget the Enneagram. Look, look at the eternal gram Bro, of God's word. All right. As Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let us seek after God's will with all of our hearts rather than turning to worldly methods for self-discovery. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's what we need to embrace. Yes, yes. That's our, that that's who our identity is, and that's what we need to embrace. We don't need to worry about what any kind of godless ideology or or paganistic framework to try to identify us or or provide identities for us uh, has to say about the issue. The Enneagram may offer insights into personalities, but only God can reveal the true depths of who we are and who he has called us to be. May we always seek him above all else, trusting his perfect plans for our lives. That's what I got, Doc. All right, when, when will that sermon be available? Be that you just preached. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it's, av- it's available right now on this podcast. That's Bro, <laughs> that was drop the enneagram and go with the eternal gram. Bro, That's that was exactly right. That man. was amazing, man. You know, uh, <laughs> V. I want to put forth again that fundamentally, okay, fundamentally, the enneagram is simply another futile and pagan tool Mm. the enemy uses to lie to other Mm -hmm. people that they can be like God. It is serpentine in that regard. Here we are back Mm -hmm. in the garden. We're back in Genesis 3. That's what the Enneagram is. It's another satanic, demonic tool of the enemy that Mm -hmm. he's using to try to convince you that you can be like God. That's Mm -hmm. what the, the personality test is just to get you in the door. Absolutely. That's just to get, it's the bait that hides the hook. 
It's nothing more, the Enneagram is nothing more than anthropological window dressing that does nothing to change who we are on the inside. Absolutely. Nothing. Yep. yep. The idea, yep. the idea that sinful human beings can, apart from God, somehow make themselves better. When you think about it, Omaha, since it's impossible for innately, it's, it's, it's inherently impossible for human beings to improve ourselves to begin with, not to mention that we have no inherent desire to do so. When right, you look at scripture, that's the issue, that's the issue right yep. there. You mean to tell yep, me that's it. that you're going to look at the Enneagram as a tool for you to identify who you are and then to transform yourself, not just in terms of your personality, but who you are in your very essence as a being. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in Gnostic terms, those words are capitalized. Mm -hmm. When you don't even have a desire, you don't even have a desire inherently to make yourself to improve upon yourself to begin with. Right. That's the contradiction that is inherent to the Enneagram. Spiritually, we have no desire apart from God to make ourselves better. Not to mention the fact that we can't do it. Right. Now, I say that in light of what the 17th century Puritan Thomas Boston says in his excellent, amazing book titled Human Nature in Its Fourfold State. Listen to what, what Boston says in Human Nature in Its Fourfold State. Quote, any changes found within us I'm sorry, any changes that are found within mankind are merely transitions from one evil to another. Now, that's just the first sentence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boston nails it in the first sentence. This is what the, this is what the, what the Enneagram types don't tell you. Any changes found within them are merely transitions from one evil to another. Any changes found within mankind. Inherently, innately, any changes we make, they're merely one, uh, merely transitions from one evil to another. Boston yeah. says the imagination of the heart, or the pattern of thoughts in natural individuals, is continuously evil. That's Genesis six five, day after day in this state, in this natural state that we're in, from the beginning to the end, they remain in midnight darkness. There is not even a glimmer of the light of holiness within them. The unholy heart can never produce a single holy thought. What a wicked heart this is. What a corrupt nature this is. A tree that consistently bears fruit, but never good fruit, regardless of the soil it is planted in or the effort invested, must be inherently corrupt. Similarly, what can we say about a heart in which every thought, every pattern of thoughts is only evil and continuously so? Surely this corruption is deeply embedded in our hearts, interwoven with our very beings, deeply rooted in our souls, and can only be cured by a miracle of grace. This is the state of man's heart, his nature, until regenerated by grace. God, who examines the heart, saw that man's heart was in this condition. He took special notice of it, and the faithful and true witness cannot be mistaken about our condition. Although we are mm -hmm. prone to misunderstanding ourselves and often overlook this fact. Yeah. Unquote. That was Thomas Boston from his book, Human Nature in Its Fourfold state 
And that is so contrary talking about human nature. That is what Boston just said there is so contrary mm -hmm. to what the Gnostics, the Gnostic Enneagram proponents will tell you. Boston is going inherently to who we are congenitally, yeah. congenitally. Yes, yes, yes. The Gnostic Enneagramist will say, no, you're, you're divine. Your true nature is divine. You just, the Enneagram will just help you uncover and discover what you just don't realize about yourself. Mm -hmm. But Boston says, no, he says, no, no. He said every thought and every pattern of the thoughts of natural man is only evil and continuously. So, yeah. so, so you want to talk about a blue pill, red pill V there it is. Right. You're, 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 it is. You put it brilliantly, bro. You're either bull, you're either blue pill Gnostic or you red pill <laughs> or, or you red pilled in terms of what Boston is saying here about the nat the congenital yeah. nature of, hum of, of humankind. Yeah. The apostle yep. Paul said in, in second Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things yeah. passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now you tell me, in, in light of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you tell me, listener, why do you need Enneagram? That's a simple question. That's, it, a, that's it, a great question. That's a simple question. In light of what the Apostle Paul has just declared in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is. It is it, he is a new creature. He is a new, he is a new creature. He is not... He says, the old things have passed away. The, the, behold, new things have come. That's three consecutive declarative realities that the Apostle Paul mm -hmm. has given you in that one verse. If you're, the, only, the only question is, are you in Christ? And if you're in Christ, here are three uh, immutable, fixed realities about who you are. Number one, you're a new creature. Number two, the old way, the old ways... The old things, as Boston would say, the natural man has passed away. And then number three, new things have come as a result of having the natural man passed away. So again, in light of that one verse, why do you need the Enneagram? V, what you got? That's that's one of the reasons why, Daryl, I, I, you know, if, if, this, if secular culture embraces the Enneagram, that's one thing. That's one thing. And you, you laid out at the outset of our conversation that, you know, we're speaking to Christians, you know, right. the, the just thinking podcast is aimed at the audience is believers. It's one thing if, if, if secularists say, Hey, this is a way for me. Uh, they're not connected to scripture. They're not connected to the Bible. They're not connected to, you know, they're, 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 they're you, you say it often on this show, their feet are firmly planted in midair, yeah. right? They're, 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 they're walking, you know, they're, they're taking a, a pole of, of which direction the wind is blowing and that's the direction they're blowing. I get it. But when you claim to be a Christian and this is a tool that you use to determine who you're going to hire uh, at a at a particular uh, position uh, or role uh, in ministry, uh, whether or not someone is going to receive a promotion, uh, wh whether or not you know someone is a part of your a part of your organization, that's that's the point at which we've got to pause and ask ourselves, what in the world are we doing? Do we really believe what Scripture says? Uh, the, the the very the very text you read, you know, if we're in Christ, 
We're a new creature. The old has passed away and and that the new has come. And, And as a result of the new coming, we are in a process of ongoing sanctification uh, that, that should expose areas of, of, of necessary development, areas where, where we're sinning, uh, areas where we, we need to uh, align ourselves to be conformed to the image of Christ. All of those things should be happening in the life of the believer to the point at which an Enneagram is, is, is not necessary. But, but early, early on, I mean, if, you, if, if we took the time early on in, in our conversation, Daryl, you read the definitions for each one of them. You read yep. a one or two, two sentence definition. Yep. The, the, the reality is you, you did that for the sake of a time and B simplicity, because these, these definitions beneath them have whole books written about what, you know, what they are, how they respond in given situations, how they respond to others, other personality types in, di- in a different you know, working environment. I mean, there's all kinds of detailed explanation that, that, that we just don't have time to put in a, in a, in, in an episode, you'd have to go and read the book. But but the but the outline is is enough of a definition so that you can understand where they're coming from. And then through the lens of Scripture, recognize that as believers, we have a sufficient Bible that tells us who we are. And and, and as a result, none of none of what we're reading is is in in the Enneagram or or is offered by the Enneagram is is actually necessary, which leads me to 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 my, my my written thoughts here, which are these the Enneagrams are a sham. Enneagrams mm-hmm. are a are a sham. <laughs> they are a mere smokescreen and mirrors to cater to the pretense of self improvement. This illusion of progress is as absurd as a cat trying to grow antlers, or a fish trying to grow wings, or reindeer learning to fly. Now, I, I realize that the time of year I probably shouldn't use the last example that I, <laughs> that I just used. <laughs> You just you just spoiled Christmas for about two million five year olds. I just bro. I, I I know I know I know I get it I get it. They got to learn the truth at some point. Yeah, at some point. But, but to the to the point that you made, brother, the Puritan Thomas Boston, he drives home the point as he argues that the human heart is devoid of divine intervention and capable only of shifting from one form of vileness to the to to another. What, what he's saying basically is that there is no self help aisle at the supermarket of sin. There's, there's just not, there absolutely is not. And we're all inherently flawed and struck in a perpetual midnight of moral darkness. Uh, can, can the corrupt, can a corrupt tree, scripture says, can a corrupt tree bear good fruit? Well, no, absolutely not. No more than a fish can climb a tree. We all are in need of, of, of God's divine transformative power, which is the gospel. There are no shortcuts. There are no back roads. There are no quick fixes. It's only Christ. Man, it's only on. in Christ that the old has passed away and that the new has come. Now that is a genuine upgrade. No Enneagram can offer such a promise. Man, come on. I need Hammond right there, V. I need some Hammond right there, bro. I mean, I would be, I would have to resign as co-host of this podcast if I didn't get some Hammond in after that one, bro. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, man, the way you tie such a brilliant, you so brilliantly tied a nice bow on Second Corinthians five seventeen. And I'm listening to you, man, and I'm thinking, in light of the fact that we're new crea- creatures in Christ, the, the the old has passed away, the new has come. That's done. That's a completed act. We, the, 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 the only the, the only the only question after that is is is, is the sanctification piece. You 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 you're you're recognizing that reality, and now now you're living it out. 
Now you're living yeah, it you're out. Go, you've, you're, you're, the, the initial transformation is one from death to life. There could be no more dramatic transformation right. than that. You were dead in trespasses and sins, and now you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. There's no more powerful transformation than that. Okay, so that that's the first transformation. And then to the point that, that, you're, that you're making now, the next one is an, is an ongoing form of sanctification. So you're, mm-hmm. you're ever changing as you're being mm-hmm. conformed mm-hmm. into the image of Christ. So mm-hmm. no static tool that places you in some box based upon some number is is going to be sufficient to 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 unpack who who you are what you are right exactly right and you know as i was listening to you just a second ago v i was like i was i was i, was, I scrolled back up in my notes to the nine uh enneagram personality types mm-hmm. and i was thinking okay as as many uh and sadly as many as as, as there are probably countless christians out there countless professing Christians out there who are, who have embraced these nine Enneagram personality types where they're asking themselves, oh, uh, am I a perfectionist? Uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me use the Enneagram to, 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 to search my inner uh, personality uh, uh, repository and say, well, am I a perfectionist? Am I number one? Am I number three? Am I, a, am, am I an achiever? Uh, am I number five? Am, am I an observer? Am I number four? Uh, am I more of a romantic? I'm, uh, am I an adventurer? Uh, so, 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 so they're asking themselves all these uh, introspectively, all these Enneagram questions. Well, which one am I? Who am I? Let me search within myself. And I was thinking to myself, I said, Man, is there a corresponding uh, text in scripture that would give us a biblical uh, template uh, for what the Enneagram is, uh, is uh, purportedly designed to do? And I think I found one, and this is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, where David says this. You want, you, 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 you want to search yourself to, 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 to discover who you really are? Listen to how David did it. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way within me and lead me in the everlasting way. That's what, that's what David wanted to know. And he, he, didn't, mm-hmm. he, he didn't rely on himself to discover that because the self doesn't want to discover what David is asking God to do here. No. Okay. This, this, the self does not want, the self will lie to, to itself. The heart will lie to itself as to the uh, level of inherent evil that resides within us, within us, even as believers, even as redeemed believers, there is still remaining sin within us. So instead of asking yourself, well, which, which Enneagram number am I? Uh, go, to, go to the Lord and ask the Lord to search your heart. Would you dare ask the Lord to do that? <laughs> no, uh, 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 no, uh, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know if I'm a number eight. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to know that I'm a a, a number three. No, no, Lord, I, I want you to. I want you to search my heart and dig out this remaining corruption. Mm-hmm. De- mortify this lust that's within me. Mortify this mm-hmm. anger, this envy, this jealousy. Mortify this discontentment. How about you and I, Verge, make a list of nine, <laughs> nine sinful behaviors. <laughs> that, 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 we, that we would like the Lord to mortify within us. How about we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, but you, what you just laid, laid out there, V, was, was, just, was just brilliant. Was just brilliant. 
I mean, the more we dig into this thing, I mean, even as I sit here with you and talk to you about this, this thing has, this Enneagram has layers and tentacles that on the surface, no one would ever discover because it was like, Hey, it's just a, it's just, no, a it's, thing. Just, it's just a little personality test. What's the big deal? It's, it's just that what's the problem? Right now in preparation for this episode on I came across a very interesting and insightful article published in the, I know it's, it's tough to say about anything that's published in the Los Angeles times, <laughs> but I came across a very interesting and insightful article published in the Los Angeles times on April 22nd, 2020. The article is written by Marisa Gerber. That first name is spelled M A R I S A Marisa Gerber. And it's titled the Enneagram is having a moment. You can thank millennials. The Enneagram is having a moment. You can thank millennials. Now, what was of particular interest to me in that article was the following passage where Ms. Gerber says this, quote, mention the word Enneagram in a group or DISC or Myers-Briggs or any of the hundreds of tests that distill personalities into a color or a number or an animal. And you'll almost always spot at least one person rolling their eyes Convinced it's all well-packaged nonsense. Personality tests, skeptics have long argued, are nothing more than pseudoscience that create a buyer-beware world of little regulation where anyone can call themselves an expert. The Enneagram itself has ancient but murky roots. Some adherents trace it back to a 4th century monk and the same, to- and the same underlying concept as the seven deadly sins. Others see similarities between the Enneagram's nine-pointed figure and a symbol used in ancient Sufism. But the modern interpretation is credited to Bolivian-born philosopher Oscar Echazo and one of his students, a Berkeley-based psychiatrist who, in the 1970s, helped popularize the Enneagram in the U.S. By 1994, the model had gained at least enough credence that Stanford Medical School's psychiatry department co-sponsored the first international Enneagram conference, drawing more than a thousand people to Palo Alto. That's unreal. That's unreal, man. From Mm -hmm. there, the framework found pockets of popularity with self-help devotees and in corporate America, where some companies used the tool to build rapport among employees. It also gained attraction in some Christian circles, propelled in part by a book on the topic by an influential Franciscan priest named Richard Rohr. Then, thanks to millennials, it exploded into the mainstream in the last few years. In many ways, the tool, which isn't tied to a specific religion, seems tailor-made for a spiritual but not religious generation that grew up on BuzzFeed quizzes and branding, unquote. Mm-hmm. I think that was very insightful uh, in terms of how the mm-hmm. Enneagram has particularly been a draw to that generation known as millennials. Now, knowing this, the question we're confronted with is, who is Oscar Chazo? Who is Oscar Chazo? Well, Oscar Chazo was a Bolivian New Age philosopher and founder of the Arica School. Arica is spelled A-R-I. C-H, the Arica School, mm-hmm. also known as the Arica Institute. And what exactly is the Arica School, you might ask? Well, according to the website arica.org, quote, 
The teachings of the Arica School present a body of philosophical, historical, and, theo and theoretical knowledge from Oscar Ichazo. By the way, that website capitalizes the K in knowledge. The teachings of the Arica School present a body of philosophical, historical, and theoretical knowledge from Oscar Ichazo, found in a number of books, in introductions to training, training manuals, and in lecture videos, all of which have one purpose, to introduce a complete theory, method, and practice to enter and stabilize the state of enlightenment, parenthetically what they call theosis, T-H-E-O-S-I-S, for the benefit of all humanity. In the teachings of Oscar, in the, in the teachings, capital T, Oscar provides scholarly discourses about the history of enlightenment and makes comparisons to his integral philosophical teachings in order to clarify the differences between his teachings and the major schools of enlightenment throughout history. The teachings, again, capital T, the teachings of integr integralism are based on a new scientific and integral understanding of how to attain enlightenment in a single lifetime with the realistic dedication, with realistic dedication and commitment. The teachings are presented with trialectical logic, the logic of cycles, so that the telos, okay, here he is mimicking the Trinity, by the way. Mm. Mm -hmm. The teachings are presented with trialectical logic, the logic mm -hmm. of cycles, so that the telos, the purpose, finality, and goal of each teaching is presented in such a way that we naturally evolve, resulting in, listen, resulting in a higher state. Higher state go. is capitalized. There you go. There, there you go. go. There you go. Now, this, yep. this, the same website goes on to say this. Quote, the total clarity of Oscar's teachings is shown in the precision of the presentation of both his written teachings and meditational practices that embody the written knowledge to contemplate the higher states. The structure that integrates this body of knowledge is called the scarab, S-C-A-R-A-B, the scarab. The scarab is composed of 18 spheres, which are classified into five distinct realms of reality called the realms of existence, knowledge, and immortality. There's your Trinitarian ideology from Oscar Chazo, by the way. The spheres, there it is, there it is man, the light behind the heat. Mm -hmm. The spheres, the spheres that are numbered 18 to 10 in the scarab correspond to the lower levels of the human condition and the spheres numbered nine to one correspond to the higher levels, concluding in the transcendental state. What does that sound like, V? Remember transcendental right. meditation? Yep. TM? Yep. Eastern yep. mysticism? That's, that's what I was going to say. It's mysticism. Oscar Richazzo's scarab breaks down. And what you're hearing, I'm not done with the quote yet, but what you're hearing in breaking down the distinction between what numbers the numbers 18 and 10 mean and then the, what the numbers 9 to 1 mean sounds exactly how uh, exactly how, how how Sarah um um uh, her, her her last name escapes me Mitri Sarah Maitri just broke down the enneagram well these these numbers are connected here and then these numbers are connected here it's the same thing here it's the same there and this is why I said earlier there's a deep deep 
subterranean, if you will, spiritual meaning to the Enneagram that Christians are not endeavoring to educate themselves about. Let me finish this quote from uh, uh, about Dr. Uh, Echazo. The spheres that are numbered 18 to 10 in the scarab correspond to the lower levels of the human condition, and the spheres numbered 9 to 1 correspond to the higher levels, concluding in the transcendental state. When the integral teachings and trainings of the scarab are studied, embodied, and offered for the benefit of all, the higher states awaken as knowledge unfolds. Bro, that is insane. This is some, this is some, this is like, I just don't even know how to describe it. This is some exponential level (laughs) Eastern mysticism that's sort of a... Synchronistic blending of Hinduism, Buddhism, right. Taoism, right. Zo- Zo- Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism. Yep. This is this is the furthest you can get from Christianity, folks. Yep. Yep. The higher states will awaken as knowledge unfolds. I mean, bro, this is this is this is this is what what, what they call that the kundalini worship as well. Yeah, <laughs> nonsense. That's why that's why you see. I, I just I, my head is just shaking. I, I don't even I, I, words. Just, is, it, go, go ahead, V. What you got? What you got after that? It's it's just insane that 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 we I I, I can hear our detractors. I, you know, Daryl Virgil. I'm not into all of that. Like I'm not into all of that. Social justicians could say the same thing. I'm not in this. I'm not into social cultural Marxism. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how to spell that. That's like, like that's, that's like, not that's what like I'm saying. A- that's like saying, that's like saying back in the 1860s, <clears throat> during the height of the transatlantic slave trade. That's like saying, well, I didn't own any slaves. I just built the houses where they lived in. <laughs> People I just, don't see it, man. I just built, Is, I just, it, it, I just, I didn't put the, I didn't put the chains around their necks. I just, I just, I manufactured them, but I'm not the one who put them on, on them. The, the, the bottom line, man, is, is scripture sufficient? Yes. Is, is the but, is but scripture v, sufficient? V, v, isn't that always the bottom line though? Isn't that always That's the bottom, the bottom line? line? That's the bottom line. It really is. It really is. Man, I, I could jump into my thoughts here if you want me to. Yeah, man, it. go ahead. Do it. Take it over. If, if, if the Enneagram were, were mere personality tests by which we would see some human traits or characteristics and simply smile or laugh at them, it, that, that would be one thing. However, like Myers-Briggs and other forms of testing, these quote-unquote tools are being used to determine someone's future employment, future promotion opportunities, and future educational pursuits. And, and, and at the root, they're, they're much more dire than, than, than simply that. The Enneagram, like a fancy horoscope dressed up in psychological garb, is increasingly shaping decisions that significantly affect individuals. And, and we must interrogate them and their legitimacy. It's akin to... I like that word. I like a, that word, interrogate. I like that, V. Good point. Yeah, we have to, we have to interrogate it, it, its legitimacy. It, it's akin to allowing a magic eight ball dictate our professional and academic trajectories. You remember those magic eight balls you used to yes. shake and, yeah, just shake and look at the bottom mm-hmm. of those? Yep. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's exactly what we're doing here. The audacity of assigning numbers to such a com, to, to, to such complex dynamic creatures as human beings and then using these classifications to determine their capacity for advancement 
happened is absolutely absurd. Uh, it, it's absurd as, it, it is as absurd as trusting a weather forecast given today for weather that's supposed to happen a decade from today. Mm-hmm. Our identities are not static. They're not confined to a box that the Enneagram or any other personality test might place us in. H- human beings are, are, are not mere algebraic equations waiting to be solved. Uh, we, we're more akin, if you, can, if you can even use an example, to an abstract painting open to interpretation but continually evolving. And as the believer, as the Christian, our goal is to evolve into or to be conformed into, better, better, better terminology, to be conformed into the image of Christ. And that's the direction that we need to go and, and leave these, these kinds of, of tests alone. Let's not surrender our futures to the whims of a personality test that's as predictable as an episode of a, of a daytime soap opera. Let's not allow the Enneagram to play puppeteer with our lives, pulling the strings based on some predetermined script. The Enneagram may want us to fit into some le- neat little box, but we're more than the sum of its parts. We must resist the temptation to reduce ourselves to mere numbers on a chart because ultimately we are products of a king. Man, I mean... I mean, what do you what do you say after that? What do you what do you say to that, Doc? I mean, that's 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 scripture. That's that's. Listen, when you compare the enneagram and all that it has to offer to the brilliant light of scripture, I don't even know why you'd fool with it. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. It's so stupid. You know, um, someone asked in a poll on uh, X uh, last week, formerly Twitter, now X. Uh, what was the what what people thought was the main problem within the evangelical church today? And I, I responded, biblical illiteracy. That's what I that, that was my response. That's it. And and, and I stand on that. Uh, you know, that's the hill I'm going to die on. That uh, and, and and I think the embracement, the level to which the enneagram has been embraced within evangelical church is evidence of that. Um, you know, biblical illiteracy leads to um, obviously a lack of knowledge of what. Scripture says, and then the lack of knowledge of what yeah. Scripture says leads to a lack of application of what Scripture says in situations like this. Yeah. Um, yep. But anyway, uh, that that notwithstanding, at this point in Omaha, I just want to pick up where I left off earlier with uh, Oscar Ichazo and share with our listeners more about who he was. He was the person who invented what's called the scarab from which the Enneagram is sort of an offshoot. Now, according to the website of the Enneagram Institute, speaking of Oscar Ichazo, that website says this, quote, the person who originally put the Enneagram system together was Oscar Ichazo. Ichazo lived from 1931 to 2020. Ichazo was born in Bolivia, as we said earlier, and raised there and in Peru, and in Peru as well, but as a young man moved to Buenos Aires, Argentina, to learn from a school of inner work he had encountered. Thereafter, he enjoyed, I'm sorry, he journeyed in Asia, gathering other knowledge before returning to South America to begin putting together a systematic approach to all he had learned. After many years of developing his ideas, he, that is Achazo, created the Arica School as a vehicle for transmitting the knowledge that he had received. Teaching in Chile, in the, late, in the late 1960s and early 70s, before moving to the United States where he resided until his passing in 2020. In 1970, when Echazo was still living in South America, a group of Americans, including noted psychologists and writers, Claudio Naranjo and John Lilly, went to Arica, Chile, to study with Echazo 
and to experience firsthand the methods for attaining self-realization that he had developed. There we go. Self-realization. This group spent several weeks with the Chazo learning the basics of his system and engaged in the practices he taught them. The Arica school, like any serious system of inner work, is a vast, interwoven, and sometimes complex body of teachings on psychology, cosmology, metaphysics, spirituality, and so forth, combined with various practices to bring about transformations of human consciousness. Among the highlights for many of the participants was a system of teachings based on the ancient symbol of the Enneagram. The Enneagram symbol has roots in antiquity and can be traced back at least as far as the works of Pythagoras. The symbol was reintroduced to the modern world by George Gurdjieff. That last name is G-U-R-D-J-I-E-F-F, George Gurdjieff, the founder of a highly influential inner work school. Gurdjieff taught the symbol primarily through a series of sacred dances and movements. Are you listening to this? Listeners? Crazy. Yeah. The Enneagram was taught by George Gurdjieff as a series of sacred dances and movements designed to give the participant a direct felt sense of the meaning of symbol and the processes, the meaning of the symbol and the processes it represents. Where Gurdjieff clearly did not teach was a symbol of types associated with the symbol. Did you, uh, listeners, are you hearing this? (laughs) This is the guy who was credited with introducing the Enneagram in the United States. Mm -hmm. This is this, what I'm reading to you is coming from the website of the Enneagram Institute. So I would be willing to bet they know what they're talking about. Even the Enneagram Institute is acknowledging that Gurdjieff did not teach the Enneagram as a system of personality types. Gurdjieff, it says, I'm I'm continuing to quote, Gurdjieff did reveal to advanced students what he called their chief feature. The chief feature is the linchpin of a person's ego structure, the basic characteristic that defines them. Gurdjieff generally used colorful language to describe a person's chief chief feature, often using the Sufi tradition of telling the person what kind of idiot they were. Uh, this is rich. I'm keeping, I'm continuing to quote. People could be round idiots, square idiots, subjective, hopeless idiots, squirming idiots, and so forth. But Gurdjieff never taught anything about a system of understanding character related to the Enneagram system. For these, this is, this is, this is, this is unbelievable. Even the Enneagram Institute is telling you that the Enneagram is not a personality type. For these and other reasons, I'm continuing to quote from the Enneagram Institute. From the, for these and other reasons, many early Enneagram enthusiasts have mistakenly attributed the system of the nine types to Gurdjieff or to the Sufis because of Gurdjieff's use of some Sufi techniques. This has mm-hmm. led to the widespread and erroneous belief 
that the Enneagram system has been handed down from the Sufis or from some other ancient school as an ongoing, quote, oral tradition, unquote. While it is true that Ichazo, Oscar Ichazo drew on this knowledge of a number of such traditions, the actual combination of those traditions connected with the Enneagram symbol is purely Ichazo's creation. Thus, mm. the, quote, traditional Enneagram, unquote, only goes back to the 1960s when Ichazo was first teaching it. Although the philosophy behind the Enneagram contains components from mystical Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Taoism, Buddhism, and ancient Greek philosophy, partic particularly Socrates, Plato, and the Neoplatonists, the Neo all traditions that stretch back into antiquity. Now, let me pause here, V. Again, here you're having directly from the Enneagram Institute, they're telling you that the, en the Enneagram, uh, uh, the, the Orthodox Enneagram has synchristic spiritual elements. Yeah. Yes. It literally said mystical elements. Mm -hmm. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, mm -hmm. Taoism, mm -hmm. Buddhism, ancient Greek philosophy is telling you this themselves. Right. Continuing to quote from the Enneagram Institute, Echazo actually taught Arakans a system of 108 Enneagrams or Enneagons, as he called it. But the Enneagram movement in America has been based on the first few and primarily on four of them. These are called the Enneagram or the passion. I'm sorry, the Enneagram of the passions, the Enneagram of the virtues, the Enneagram of the fixations and the Enneagram of the holy ideas. See, you guys only thought that the Enneagram was just those nine types, those nine personality types. There's four different, there's four different Enneagrams. To grasp the significance, still quoting from the Enneagram Institute, to grasp the significance of these diagrams and the relationship between them, we must remember that this, the Enneagram system was primarily designed to help elucidate the relationship between essence, capital E, and personality or ego. In Echazo's own words, quote, we have to distinguish between a man as he is in essence and as he is in ego or personality. In essence, every person is perfect, fearless, and in a loving unity with the entire cosmos. There is no conflict within the person between head, heart, and stomach, or between the person and others. Then something happens. The ego begins to develop. Karma accumulates. There is a transition from objectivity to subjectivity. Man falls from the essence into personality. Unquote. Are you getting the Gnostic language here? Are you hearing the Absolutely. Gnostic mystic language that Echazo is using mm -hmm. here? Still quoting, thus Echazo saw the Enneagram as a way of examining specifics about the structure of the human soul. Are you, are y'all listening to this? Yeah, there should be, there should be sirens going off. The Enneagram should, should have is, been sirens going should, off. The Enneagram is not some harmless, innocuous person. It was never that. Thus, Ichazo saw the Enneagram as a way of examining specifics about the structure of the human soul and particularly about the ways in which actual soul qualities of essence, capital E, become distorted or contracted 
into states of ego. In developing his Enneagram theories, Echazo drew upon a recurrent theme in Western mystical and philosophical tradition, the idea of nine divine forms. I mean, V, I'm not even done with my notes here, bro, and I'm getting, I just have to keep stopping here. Yeah, yeah. We said this at the very top. Ultimately, the Enneagram is to help you see yourself as divine. Those aren't nine mm-hmm. different personality types. They're nine forms mm-hmm. of divinity. Absolutely. You're hearing this directly from the Enneagram Institute. In developing his Enneagram theories, Echazo drew upon a recurrent theme in Western mystical and philosophical tradition, the idea of nine divine forms. This idea was discussed by Plato as the divine forms of platonic or platonic solids, qualities of existence that are essential, that cannot be broken down into constituent parts. That's almost contrary, I'm sorry, complementary V, to the doctrine of divine simplicity when we talk about God, how, how God can be, cannot right. be divided. He cannot be broken down That's into right. parts. The idea, this idea was further developed in the third century by our uh, century of our era by the Neoplatonic philosophers, particularly Plotinus, Plotinus, P-L-O-T-I-N-U-S, Plotinus in his central work, The Enneads. These ideas found their way from Greece and Asia Minor southward through Syria and eventually to Egypt. There, it was embraced by early Christian mystics known as the Desert Fathers who focused on studying the loss of the divine forms in ego consciousness. The particular ways in which these divine forms became distorted came to be known as the seven deadly sins. Well, 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 we're all familiar with those. Anger, pride, envy, avarice, gluttony, lust, and sloth. How the original nine forms in the course of their travels from Greece to Egypt over the course of a century became reduced to seven deadly sins remains a mystery. Now, uh, um, Omaha, before I turn it over to you, we mentioned earlier Oscar Ichazo's Scarab, S-C-A-R-A-B, mm-hmm. and how his Scarab was divided into nine, I'm sorry, 18 elements. <clears throat> right. Excuse me. Those 18 elements of Oscar Ichazo's Scarab, and remember the significance of this, listeners, the reason we're taking the time to take you through who Oscar Echazo was is because Echazo introduced the Enneagram into United, into the United States. And he distorted it from what uh, Gurdjieff's original design of the Enneagram was. But Echazo had his own sort of mystic symbolic interpretation of the Enneagram that was called the Scarab. The 18 elements are as follows. Number one is transcendental mind. Number two is universal mind. Number three is ornamental mind. Four is attributive mind. Number five is contemplative mind. Six is illuminative mind. Seven, creative mind. Eight, volitional mind. And number nine is enlightened mind. Ten is intuitive mind. Eleven, analytical mind. Twelve, intentional mind. Thirteen, functional mind. Fourteen, reactive mind. 15, existential mind, 16, primordial uh, mind, 17, cognitive mind, and 18, somatic mind. 
I mean, the I don't know how much clearer. I'm going to hand it over to you in a second. I just don't understand how much clearer we can make this. Here you have <clears throat> from firsthand pro Enneagram sources that the Enneagram, mm-hmm. the nine elements of the Enneagram are not nine personality types. They are nine mm-hmm. forms of divinity, yeah. of divinity. Yes. What you got, yes. man? Take it away. Well, the, the, I mean, again, we told people, we, we, we gave the Morpheus warning. Yeah, uh, we we told we told them that that we would walk them through how deep the rabbit hole goes, and 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 that's exactly where where we are. Uh, we're at we're at the bottom of the rabbit hole, and and it, and and it's it's not pretty. Uh, this is absolutely demonic. It's it's spiritualism. Uh, it's you know it's gnosticism. It's paganism. You know, wrapped in a personality test, and Christians need to be aware of that. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what we're here to do. We're here to inform. This this is a long form podcast. We've taken the time to walk you through that. I, my 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 thought, my guess would be that few few people listening to the podcast would would think that that we could take you know two and a half hours or or, or more to walk people through all of what this this uh, the enneagram has to offer, and and that's that's exactly where we are, and and, and we're not we're not even done yet. Yeah, we're, that's, we're, we're not even done yet. And, the, and, the, and if I could just add this to what you just said, I'll, I'll give it back to you in a second. Uh, you know, the, the vast majority of our listeners know this. Uh, but the reason the Just Thinking podcast is an expository program is because when you boil it all down, souls are at stake here. The truth is at stake here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your, 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 your soul is at stake here, the Enneagram is a lie. And far be it from us to know that the Enneagram is a lie and not use this platform to help people understand why the Enneagram is a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that, V. Go ahead and take it back, man. Absolutely, man. Examining the Enneagram through the lens of a biblical worldview, as with all man-made ideas, we find ideas stolen from scripture that eventually amount to a complete divergence from scripture with the Enneagram's philosophy. And what, what I mean by that is this, like all, like all um, man-made ideas, many of them uh, begin with, with things that we can all agree upon, right? We can all agree upon, you know, differences in, 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 in personal expression, differences in, in, in who we are as people. We can all agree upon that. And, and there'll even be some references to, to scripture in which, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of laid out above and in, in what Echazo was positing. Hey, there's some, there's some, you know, uh, Judea, Judaism, there's, there's Christianity, you know, there's Christian beliefs, there's, there's Buddhist beliefs. So, so it begins with that, with that, which is familiar to believers and it and then it and then it there's a so that it, it's the bait it's it's the bait and the hook thing it's the bait that hides the hook right and and ultimately ultimately where you land is is a complete divergence from scripture with the enneagram's philosophy the concept that a that a per that a person the concept rather of a person being perfect in essence as a chazo posits 
echoes the idea of the biblical assertion that human beings are created in the image of God in Genesis 1:27, but that is absolutely not what is meant by no. uh, by his by his no. assertion in any way, shape, or form. However, the the idea of a pure essence of becoming, uh, you know, it, it's an idea of 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 you know, here we were in sin, we're we're becoming uh, more more like Christ, but that's not at all what's meant. It, it is devoid of any right. Christian connection whatsoever. Yet the divine notion of divine forms from the Platonic and Neoplatonic philosophy, it, it attempts to present a an interesting parallel with the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. But that is not at all what is being what what, what is meant there. These divine qualities are shown as, as ideas to be the best way to live, but they're absolute distortions uh, of the true nature of man who has fallen in his human condition. The Enneagram, like other spiritual systems, aims to bring the individual back to their quote-unquote authentic divine self, end quote. But as, as, you, as you listen to that language, the, the, the alarm bells should, be, should yes, be going off. yes. The alarm bell should be going off. We 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 are not we are not in our uh, have an authentic divine nature. Scripture is clear that we're dead in sin and trespasses. Bro, it's the These same. The it's the same thing. V, I'm I'm sorry, brother, but in but it's go the ahead, same ahead, thing. It's the same thing, man. That the serpent told Eve, you will be like God. That's what the, that's what the enneagram is, is 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 saying to you. Is that you use this Absolutely. tool, you'll be like God. Unbelievable. Yep. Yep. Yep, absolutely. In conclusion, the Enneagram, with its roots in antiquity and influence from various spiritual t- traditions, offers a dangerous, a dangerous framework. It tries to be in line with biblical teachings in some areas, but 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 recognizes absolutely crazy ideas like divine essence. This is the, this kind of this kind of distortion of the Imago Dei needs to be noted by everyone who takes account. It, it differs on basic issues that where, where distortion comes in and, and the answers that they provide for how things need to be fixed are absolutely out of this world. The, the thought that you can somehow fix yourself that is embedded in these ideas is antithetical to a biblical worldview and everything that we're offered uh, through Christ. That's what I've got there, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, that was, that was a little bit of a breath of exasperation there because I just keep thinking in my head via what you, what you said repeatedly throughout our conversation so far. And that is that it all boils down to the sufficiency of scripture. It really does. Yes. It really does. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, V, a, a, another important figure, in addition to Oscar Ichazo, another important figure very important figure, in fact, in the development of the Enneagram is Dr. Claudio Naranjo, whose name I mentioned several minutes ago. It is Claudio Naranjo who is credited with inventing what is known as automatic writing. Automatic writing. Automatic writing refers to the use of relaxed and enhanced states of consciousness. You might even call it channeling. All right. Relaxed and enhanced states of consciousness to interlink mm. concepts in the mind and subconscious to create a metastructure of personality, personality traits. So really, this is where the nine elements of the Enneagram came from. Uh, Naranjo, who would profess to have experienced a state of higher consciousness, developed this idea of automatic writing where he wasn't even physically doing the writing himself. To sort of take a heretical twist on that, you could take where 
uh, scripture says that all of all of scripture is uh, divinely inspired by God. Uh, Naranjo right. would say he was divinely inspired by virtue of automatic writing and him, him, yeah. him a, a, a sort of spirit embodiment of himself that took over him, took him over to where he, his physical body was doing the writing, but it wasn't him consciously doing the writing. So that's what it's, automatic it's, writing this is, is. This is, this is demonic. I mean, let's just, let's just put it out there. That, that's, that's demonic. It Absolutely. is, man. It is. I mean, what else do you say to this? What else do you say to this? There is, there, there is no excuse for any professing Christian to be involved in this. Now, y'all can come at me if you want, but you know our motto here. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. Uh, but in 1963, Naranjo was invited to Berkeley, California. All this stuff goes down in Berkeley, California in the 60s. This is unbelievable. In 1963, Naranjo was invited to Berkeley, California for a year and a half to, to participate in the activities of the Institute of Personality Assessment and Research. The Institute of Personality Assessment and Research. He was also an apprentice of Fritz Perls, P-E-R-L-S, and was part of the formation of Gestalt Therapy. Gestalt therapy, especially the innovation of using it in very large groups. It could also be pronounced gestalt therapy. Naranjo was a key figure at Esalen, receiving additional training and supervision from Jim Simpkin in Los Angeles and attending sensory awareness workshops with Charlotte Silver. He became a close friend of Carlos Castaneda and was part of Leo Zeff's pioneering psychedelic therapy group in 1965 and 1966. Naranjo also studied with Bogomit a professor at Santiago, Chile, who taught and specialized in cultural history, particularly Neoplatonism and Pythagoreanism. Trained in Freudian psychology, okay, Naranjo, trained in, in Freudian psychology, was a specialist at using free association and active imagination with his patients and even himself. He followed the work of Karen Horney, H-O-R-N-E-Y, researched psychoactive chemicals, drugs, in clinical trials and published dozens mm -hmm. of peer-reviewed academic articles. He was instrumental in synthesizing MDMA and a pioneer of its use in psychotherapy. He trained with Bob Hoffman and actually improved on the Hoffman technique to scale it to large groups. He already knew and was trained in Gurdjieff's fourth way school and was friends with many of Gurdjieff's students. Naranjo studied with existentialist philosopher and theologian Paul Tillich. Known for his unique integration of essentialism and existentialism, as well as his sustained engagement with ontology in his systematic theology. In 1969, Naranjo published a 120-page thesis on self-awareness and development of consciousness levels and growth. I have more to say about Dr. Claudio Naranjo later, but I want to pause here for a moment, Omaha, to, to note that Naranjo also influenced the, the theology of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. 
According to the Martin Luther King Jr. Research and Educational Institute at Stanford University, quote, King credited Tillich's work as a major influence on his religious thinking, having convinced him that existentialism, in spite of the fact that it had become all too fashionable, had grasped certain basic truths about man and his condition that could not be permanently overlooked. He frequently used, that is King, King frequently used Tillich's cautioning view that sin is separation to illustrate the inherently evil nature of segregation in speeches in his later years. Commenting on Tillich's view of God in this context of modern alienation, King observed, quote, Tillich's Christian existentialism gave us a system of meaning and purpose for our lives in an age when war and doubt seriously threatened all that we have come to hold dear, unquote. Now, so if Tillich's, if Tillich influenced King, then the question mm-hmm. some may be asking is, who influenced Tillich? Mm-hmm. Well, one of Tillich's influences was none other than Mr. Social Gospel himself, Reinhold Niebuhr, who also was a fundamental influence on the sociology and theology of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yep. Now, before I toss it over to UV for your thoughts, I have to say again that Tillich, who was a theologian, is another example of answering the question that I asked earlier and the statement that I made earlier that within evangelical Christianity, we always want something extra. So, So when King says that Tillich, Tillich's existentialism helped him understand why the world was like it was in terms of war and doubt. We, we, why, why go to an existential philosopher (laughs) philosophy when the, the, when Mm -hmm. scripture is sufficient to answer that question? Right. Again, it's, I hate to sound repetitive, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, as you said, V, it comes down to the sufficiency of scripture every single time. What you got, man? Yep. Every, every time. I mean, what this, what the section that you just walked through, what that, what it demonstrates is how we've moved far from a, just, you know, this, this personality test that's like no big deal to an absolutely informed worldview, right? This is, this is a manner in which that, you know, whether it's existentialism, uh, you know, whether it's, it's the, the, the ideas surrounding the mysticism, the, the mystic practices where, where we've now got to transform from, uh, from understanding these ideas to, to being these ideas, you know, to, to embodying these ideas. Uh, this is a full, full orbed worldview and it influenced Martin Luther King Jr. And that, which again, is not surprising that he would, that, that, that King would validate these ideas. I, I've, I've, I've asserted for quite some time that King was not a Christian. You've asserted this exact yes, same thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and not, not only, not only have we, we quote unquote made assertions, but we've also, we've also laid out cases in writing uh, for how we've come to these conclusions. 
But as you mentioned, Daryl, Dr. Uh, Claudio Naranjo uh, is a central figure here in his work in automatic writing, uh, psychoactive clinical trials and pioneering ventures in the in gestalt therapy and, and psychedelic therapy. That's that's drug induced. I'm telling you just right now, just as you see, as you hear psychedelic therapy, just recognize it, that that's that's drug induced uh, right. kind of right. therapy. Exactly. Uh, it, 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 it created a wave uh, during his day, and a, a, a quote unquote intellectual wave. It was really, it's really more of a drug induced wave if you think about yes, the sixties and exactly what was going was. on during that time frame, right? King's association with with Naranjo's influence was more indirect, however, stemming from his admiration for Paul Tillich. You mentioned that earlier, and existen- the, the existentialist philosopher and theologian uh, that influenced by uh, Naranjo. Tillich's existential perspectives, particularly his views on sin and, and alienation, they resonated strongly with King's fight against racial segregation, molding his approach to, to the civil rights struggle, struggle. One would say that King's support of Tillich's Christian existentialism was what King used as his theological ammunition uh, against what what he what he saw as the sin of segregation uh, what it showed is again that king had an existentialist view of the human condition and not a not not a christian view he did not have a biblical worldview of the christian condition uh, of the of the of the human condition you said this earlier uh daryl again scripture it's scriptural insufficiency and 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 it's 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 a lack of believing that scripture is sufficient right Tillich is, tillage is not necessary uh, to, to explain what's going on with war. Uh, Naranjo's not, not necessary. None of these guys are necessary for explaining what's happening in the world. The understa- this understanding actually paves the way for, for my initial observation that King was not a Christian. He relied too heavily on these other ideas rather than on what scripture has to say. His theology, King's theology that is, went beyond the boundaries of Orthodox Christianity, embracing elements of existentialism and, and some might even say Gnosticism. Some people find, find, find this surprising, but it's important to keep in mind that King's theology reflected a com- complex web of philosophical the- and theological influence. And, and I'm gonna just continue to say this. Dr. Martin Luther King was not a Christian. And nope. so it should not it should not be surprising that he embraces these fraudulent ideas. But if you call yourself a Christian, if you believe yourself to be a Christian, you would reject these ideas that are outside of of, of what of what the Bible t- says about about who we are. When it comes to defining us anthropologically, uh, spiritually, uh, from from a from a theological perspective, we need to open. The, the, the text of scripture. Yes. Uh, we need to not add these other ideas into uh, the, into the mix. They're, they're unnecessary. But th- this again is a demonstration, all of this to say, uh, you know, and again, I know this is, this section isn't about King at all, but, but all, all of this to say, I used the example of King to explain that what these things lend themselves to are entire worldviews. Yes. So what we thought from the beginning was the start of, oh, these are just little personality tests. This is kind of fun. no, what, what they are is they develop, they've been developed mm-hmm. into an entire worldview. And, and as we embrace these ideas inch by inch by inch, we corrode the, the validity of the scripture, the sufficiency of the scripture to actually explain what's happening uh, in life. That's what I got for that section, bro. You know, and the thing about the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, some of these individuals and their ex- uh, experimentation with psychotropic drugs is that when you look at that, the generation that they came from, that's what they did. I mean, they, they experimented with everything. And, 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 yes. and, and the outcome of every uh, 
uh, experimental combination of the drugs that they use with some new uh, uh, new understanding, so some, some 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 sort of new revelation, some sort of new new truth, and the enneagram is fundamentally that it's 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 it's, it's a it's a uh, it's a uh, p- pagan mystic gnostic uh, uh, byproduct or fruit of sinful man indulging themselves uh, in, in this case in, ex- in with the experimental drugs and poof voila. It's the rabbit out of the hat. You get the the enneagram, mm-hmm. and uh, and and again, and see every 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 uh, uh, attached uh, goal or objective. When you talk about, especially that generation, and how they experimented with drugs, every single time it was wow. I just had this. I met God. They would say. They would say I saw God. So it is no. It, it should not be surprising that the enneagram fundamentally is a tool to uh, help you achieve uh, uh, divinity because that's that's what that that's what that generation uh, did that, that's 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 why they pushed uh, uh, the, the, the free drugs the, the just the, the, the free hedonistic mm-hmm. lifestyle mm-hmm. because it brings you to a a higher consciousness we've used that term several times in in the episode so far a higher consciousness higher consciousness is just uh, uh, vernacular for God likeness or God consciousness or, or worse mm-hmm. divinity. Mm-hmm. Divinity is what we're talking about. Now I want to tie mm-hmm. up a couple of loose ends with respect to Dr. Claudio, Claudio Naranjo. Uh, according to the website of the Naranjo Institute, Dr. Claudio Naranjo was born in 1932 in Valparaiso, Chile. Initially trained as a classical pianist and composer He entered a medical school in Santiago and became a medical doctor in 1959. He went on to become a Fulbright visiting scholar at Harvard's Center for Studies of Personality and afterwards through a fellowship of the Guggenheim Foundation, a research associate at the Institute of Personality Assessment and Research in Berkeley, California. Claudio Naranjo learned of Oscar Ichazo. See, all these people are related. They're all connected. Claudio Naranjo, mm-hmm. Claudio Naranjo learned of Oscar Ichazo's enneagrams when Naranjo attended attended a training retreat with others from the United States in Arica, Chile, around 1970. The enneagrams were but a small part of the material presented by Ichazo. Ichazo later brought his training to the United States through the Arica Institute in 1971. Naranjo incorporated the Enneagram into his own teachings and evolved the Enneagrams along a separate path from Achazo. So we, we talked about that earlier, how Gurdjieff never, never intended the, uh, never designed the uh, Enneagram to have these nine personality types. But Achazo uh, uh, um, took what Naranjo did and Naranjo took what Gurdjieff did and Achazo made it his own thing. Naranjo expanded upon Ichazo's enneagrams or ego types as the five associated enneagrams can be referred to collectively through his own background in psychology and other understandings. One way he did this was to relate Ichazo's ego types to the personality disorders of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, DSM, used by psychologists. Mm -hmm. Mapping the types to the DSM also offered a way to correlate 
psychological traits with the types, a sort of Rosetta Stone between modern psychology and the Enneagram types. Dr. Naranjo's vision is essentially integrative, and within that, his particular gift has been his ability to closely identify and utilize the common grounds between a number of diverse traditions and teachings he has studied. Now, let me pause there. When, we're, when, we, when they're saying here diverse traditions and teachings, that's those syncretistic religions and those syncretistic yep, yep. psychological worldly uh, perspectives that have been brought into Naranjo's design of the Enneagram. Continuing to quote from the Naranjo Institute, observations of meditative and psychological teachings led Dr. Naranjo to develop practices of interpersonal meditation, which bring meditation into the relational domain of psychology as outlined in his, in his book titled The Ways of Silence and the Talking Cure, unquote. Mm-hmm. He is a world-renowned exponent of the fourth-way psychology and its emphasis, emphasis on simultaneous work in the realms of action, thought, feeling, and awareness. Now, the term fourth-way refers to a psychological and spiritual process by which the most mundane events of ordinary life are used consciously to unfold life's meaning. Now, that's just another way of saying Gnosticism, uh, Verge. Absolutely. Absolutely. The fourth way was introduced to Western society in the early 1980s through the writings of the Scottish psychologist Henry Maurice Dunlop Nicole. That last name is spelled N-I-C-O-L-L, whose psychological worldview was heavily influenced by such men as George Gurdjieff, Carl Jung, and Peter Upinski. In the fourth way... You live an ordinary life in the world, and life is your teacher. Balancing the three centers in the midst of daily life has a deceptively simple sound to it. In actuality, it is the most relentlessly demanding way of all. However, working within yourself in this way causes profound shifts in your consciousness. There's that, there's that mystic element again, V. Mm-hmm, working mm-hmm. within yourself is, which is what the Enneagram says you should, it helps you do. The Enneagram says it helps you work within yourself. Working within yourself in this way causes profound shifts in your consciousness so that you no longer view life in an ordinary way. You come to realize that life has meaning beyond itself. It was Henry Nicole who once said, quote, humanity is regarded as unfinished, incomplete, imperfect. We have the possibility of completing ourselves, perfecting ourselves, and all that is necessary for this lies within us, unquote. Now, I mentioned that quote from Nicole to demonstrate that the Enneagram, notwithstanding its pagan origins, is fundamentally a humanistic means towards a spiritual end, namely Mm -hmm. self-salvation and self-realization. It's a kind of Gnostic soteriology, if you will. It is what one of the most prominent pioneers of the Enneagram, Richard Rohr, describes as, quote, breaking through to the totally other, unquote. To- That's insane. Absolutely insane. By the way, totally other is capitalized. Yeah, and, and whenever you see this is, these. This is absolutely insane. 
you, you used the word replacement earlier, V. Whenever you see these replacement words for God, which is really what these terms are, when, we use, when you see these replacement terms for God, terms like totally other, terms like essence, terms like being, terms like consciousness, and they're capitalized, that's just replacement mm -hmm. verbs for deity, for God. Absolutely, absolutely. Rohr elaborates on that, that idea of the totally other in, in the book titled The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, in which he writes this. Quote, it has been shown that the Enneagram is compatible with the Christian tradition of spiritual counseling and human leadership, as well as with diverse psychotherapeutic approaches, which is integrationism. Hence, it can build bridges between spirituality and psychology. There's that syncretism again. It is something like that new language, quote unquote, that Gnosticism, the 14th century philosopher Raymond Lull was searching for. The combination of psychology, spirituality, and theology, there's that integrationism again, may disturb those who insist on a, quote, methodically clean, unquote, separation of those apparently so different approaches to reality. By contrast, the traditions of Eastern and Western wisdom and spiritual guidance, the true gurus, startsy, spiritual guides, and masters of the East, to whom this book is indebted, have always stressed that maturity in the psychic personal sense and in the religious spiritual sense belong together. With the Enneagram, the question is, why in our encounter with life do we human beings so often keep running up against ourselves instead of making a breakthrough to God, to the totally other? And therein, V, this is my commentary, and therein is the real purpose of the Enneagram, to help you break through to a higher level of God consciousness. Rohr says, in our present-day egocentric society, we are especially inclined to remain stuck in our own thoughts and feelings. For this reason, God today for many Westerners, and by saying Westerners, V. Rohr is pointing you to the Eastern religious gurus and sages. He's making a distinction between Westerners and those Eastern religious gurus. For this mm -hmm. reason, God today is for many Westerners, Unless they have dismissed God completely, nothing more than a projected image of themselves, a God that we desire, fear, or culturally need. The encounter with the totally other, the not I, capitalized, the not I, does not take place for most people. The old masters and spiritual guides wanted people to acknowledge their blockages and prejudices or their mode of perception, that is, their habitual way of viewing and shaping life from an egocentric viewpoint. That sounds a lot like Hinduism to me, V, because one of the fundamental yeah. tenets in Hinduism is to deny the ego. Absolutely. Yep. Roar yep. goes on to say, in the Middle Ages, such compulsions were called passions. Unrecognized, quote unquote, passions allow me to take my limited perspective for the whole. The task is to overcome these passions and to learn to perceive reality more objectively. We have to press through to God, to the totally objective, who for Christians is at the same time totally ours, capitalized again, since he has committed himself to our world and become part of it. That's pantheism when you look at it. Yep. Rohr says we must be capable of meeting someone other than ourselves. The Enneagram can help us to identify our self-perception, to become unsparingly honest towards ourselves, 
and to discern better and better when we are hearing only our inner voices and impressions and are prisoners of our prejudices and when we are capable of being open to what is new. The goal of the Enneagram, Rohr says, is to find a way to Christian freedom. This is made possible through a personal relationship with Jesus in which we are able to hear Christ's call to our life and are ready to enter his service, unquote. Mm. And there you have again someone else saying that you can only break through in your relationship with Christ through the Enneagram, through the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Holy yeah. Spirit is nowhere in this at all. Mm-hmm. V, v, what you got, mm-hmm. man? Listen, man, as, I, as you were walking through that, I, uh, two thoughts hit my brain. The first was, uh, man, I had to go, I had to open up uh, the Bible and go to the book of Colossians because this is not, none of this is new from a standpoint of, of God, you know, through uh, the apostle Paul dealing with Christians who were syncretistic, right? Who right. were, who were trying to, trying to, trying to figure out, okay, there's, there's this Gnosticism thing. There's this kind of mystical thing. There's kind of this worship of angels thing. I, you know, what, how do we, how do we navigate all of that? And in, and in uh, Colossians chapter, two, chapter uh, two, um, verse eight, uh, elect standard version reads this way. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you've been filled in him who is head of all rule and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This is, this is Paul telling Christians, look, you're in Christ. These, these ideas that the world is trying to provide for, for you, those are, those are, those are antithetical to, to, to a biblical worldview, to a Christian, to, to how a Christian should think. Um, Verse 16 says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are but a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism or the worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from the from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. In, in other words, stay grounded in Christ. Mm-hmm. Stay rooted in, in who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, these ideas, man, that, that are coming uh, from, from Gnosticism have no place. They're antithetical to a Christian worldview. Second thought I had was as it pertains to Gnosticism, and, and there may be some, you know, a few folks who, who don't really know um, the ideas behind Gnosticism or, or why they're, they're antithetical to a Christian worldview. I just quickly looked it, looked it up from this article. I'm, I'm actually quoting from an article. I tried to find the author. I could not find it, but so these are not my words. These are, these are from an article that, that I pulled. It says this quote, Christianity and Gnosticism are mutually exclusive. 
Uh, however, it is easy for a Gnostic mindset to seep into our own thinking if we're not careful, right? First Peter uh, chapter five, verse eight tells us to be sober minded, to be watchful that, that our adversary, the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, the, the Gnostic is pursuing goodness, right? But instead of seeking it uh, to be regenerated by Christ, he grabs a hold of a man's of a man-centered purpose for living. Gnostic thought makes man wise in his own eyes, something that Proverbs 3 verse 7 points us against, which it says, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We, we've got to stop this need to find something outside mm-hmm. of scripture mm-hmm. in addition to scripture mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and add it to what the Bible has to say about this yeah. stuff. This again, I've, I've said it repeatedly during the course of this, uh, of this podcast, but it needs to be said and repeated because uh, brother, every time we get together, when there's some new idea that represents itself, the problem is, is the, the core root of the problem is the fact that we've seen, we believe that there needs to be, there needs to be something added to scripture. Scripture is too old. It's too antiquated. It, it, it doesn't speak to the, the current culture, our current climate or reality and, and the way we view it. And so we add these false ideas that, that actually have their origin in the pit of hell. As, as, as we've walked through the entire time of our, of our conversation, we've witnessed how this thing has gone deeper and deeper and deeper into yep. the abyss. Yep. That's exactly what we've yep. witnessed in, in, in the time we spent here. And so we, we can't leave this, this podcast without telling people to turn from this sinful ideology, uh, this sinful idolatry is what it is, and and turn to Christ and Him crucified. I have to have to have to put that out there, man. At the end of this thing, before we wrap things up, yeah, it's 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 your venti blonde from Starbucks with three three splendors. Absolutely, it's the Starbucks Christianity. Absolutely, you know, and, is. And, and, and uh, that that's all. I, I I can't think of a more appropriate metaphor. Uh, Especially as it relates to the the culture that we're in right now, um, we have we we are we are, I would argue that we are in theologically speaking, we are we are are living through the most superficial stage of Protestant evangelicalism in the history of the church, um, where you know just give me something surface level. I don't want anything too deep. Uh, it's like you've been saying throughout this uh, this episode, V. Uh, what, what's the big deal? What What's the right. problem? What's the problem? That, that that's that's where we're at. Not only in the culture, but in the church. That's where we're at. This, I, don't 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 take me too deep. I don't I don't need exegesis. I don't need hermeneutics. I don't need exposition. You know, just point me to John thirteen thirty four, where Jesus says, "Love one another." You know, and I'm good. I'm good to go. Well, you know, you might want to find another podcast to listen to. Um, <laughs> there's, there's millions of them out there, uh, but mm-hmm. you're, you're not, you're not going to get superficial at the Justin and podcast. You're not going to get that. Um, thanks for that V. I appreciate, it. you know, our listeners might recall a, my mentioning a man by the name of George Gurdjieff, um, a couple times, uh, in our discussion to this point V, uh, Gurdjieff was one of the people who was most influential in the spiritual and philosophical development of another individual whose name I mentioned earlier, Henry Maurice Dunlop Nicole. Well, in all that you and I have covered thus far, this episode on the gospel and the Enneagram Omaha, I'm hoping this next quote will remove all doubt 
of something you just said a second ago, that the Enneagram is nothing more than demonic Gnosticism. So if you want to know what the big deal is, if you haven't gotten it yet in the two hours and 45 minutes that we've been talking about this so far, perhaps this quote by author Adrian Morel Petriou will convince you. I'm quoting from the book titled The Force of Gurdjieff, Volume 8, Gurdjieff's Enneagram Origins by Adrian Morel Petriou. And in that book, Petriou writes this, quote, It must be said from the very beginning that the Enneagram is an approximation of the story of God. Mm. Now, <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. It must be said that from the very beginning that the Enneagram is an approximation of the story of God. Wow. It is an approximation. I'm still, wow. still quoting from the book. It is an approximation because it belongs to the intellectual level and furthermore to the mathematical domain. And this means that all the levels are viewed from the perspective of a single one. Even if it's the proper role of the intellectual level to do that, it's still an approximation. And you must bear in mind that the story of God looks like the symbol of the Enneagram, just as God, oh just as God looks like a triangle, unquote. Mm. So mm. you thought you were just taking a personality test. You thought you were just an Enneagram four. <laughs> wow you thought you were just an Enneagram 8 mm -hmm. no you weren't you're God mm -mm. Mm -hmm. you're God according to the Enneagram they said that here it is in black and white it must be said wow. from the very beginning here Petriou is saying that from the very beginning of the Enneagram it represents the story of God. Mm -hmm. It says, bear in mind that the story of God looks like the symbol of the Enneagram, just as God looks like a triangle. That's insane. So as you can see from that quote, Omaha and, and others that we've presented to our listeners in this episode, there is clearly a religious and spiritual mysticism about the Enneagram that is both intentional and undeniable. You cannot listen to this, this episode and still come away thinking that the Enneagram is some harmless analytical tool. That's it. The Enneagram yep. is Gnosticism under the pretense mm -hmm. of a harmless and benign personality test. Now to help our listeners understand what I mean by that, I want to quote again from, I want to quote again, Kim Eddy. Kim Eddy is professes to be a Christian. And I'm going to quote again from her book, the Enneagram for beginners, a Christian guide to understanding your personality type for a God centered life where Eddie says this quote, what makes the Enneagram so different from other personality tools is the fact that it doesn't simply focus on our external behaviors or traits. It shines mm -hmm. straight. She says this, it shines straight to the heart. Now I'm not done yet, but let me just say here, that's Gnostic pneumatology. Yes, it is. Uh, what she's saying here is it, in that the Enneagram goes beyond focusing on external behavior and goes straight to the heart. That's Gnostic mm -hmm. pneumatology because she's, she's alleging that the, asserting that the, the Enneagram does the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm 
Right, right, right. And and then and then and then connect and then connect the dots. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. So right. that that's that's what for the, for those who, who who are coming in trying to figure out what did he just say? Numa Numa huh? Numa what? Numa what? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's 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 Gnostic pneumatology. Pneumatology is a, mm-hmm. the, the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So, so, but she goes on to say that the Enneagram, I'm still quoting here, still quoting Kim Eddy. The Enneagram reveals our inner motivations and the desires, fears, and values that drive us. It can mm-hmm. help us understand the ways we've been coping in a fallen world and the parts of our hearts we have yet to turn over to God. Mm-hmm. Unquote. Uh, this is this is a Christian writing this. Yeah, that's insane. So the Enneagram is inherently uh, transformative. It possesses, mm-hmm. apparently, attributes that are similar to what the Holy Spirit has. Right. That, that, is, that is the Enneagram that shines the light to the heart. I mean... That's insane. I mean, so now now I'm still quoting Eddie here, by the way. Eddie says, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then your sins are covered by grace. But we know from scripture that while salvation is immediate and eternal, we are still in the process of growing to be more like Christ for the rest of our lives here on earth. Even Paul cried out about the sin he was still tempted by in Romans 7. The Enneagram can uncover the sin we're still clinging to, she says. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm quoting Kim wow. Eddy. Kim Eddy says in her book, The Enneagram for Beginners, the Enneagram can uncover the sin we're still clinging to, identify old patterns of unhealthy behavior, and help us recognize the ways we've been trying to earn God's favor but never succeeding. Ultimately, she says, ultimately, the Enneagram should be a way for us to point ourselves to Jesus more and more every day. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. The ripple effects of leaning more on him can only lead to a deeper, more profound life, whatever may come. Now, I'm confused. Unquote, by the way. I'm I'm confused. On the one hand, she says that the Enneagram can uncover the sin that we're still clinging to. And identify old patterns of unhealthy behavior and help us recognize the ways we've been trying to earn God's favor. Then at the end of that quote, she says, leaning on Jesus can only lead to deeper, more profound life, whatever may come. I'm like, which (laughs) which is it? Which one is it? Which is it? Which is it? Yep. Yep. See, people like Kim Eddy, who advocates the Enneagram, she also advocates an Enneagram Christ. She Mm She doesn't advocate the Christ of the Bible. She has an right. Enneagram Christ. She has a syncretistic, integrationist, right. integrationistic view of the gospel of Christ, of of uh, of uh, sanctification. She mm-hmm. kind of she kind of mm-hmm. got the salvation part right earlier when when she said that we are that our sins are covered by grace. She kind of got that right. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like you it's like you say all the time, Virg, when you quote Spurgeon. Yep. Give us that Spurgeon quote, bro. What do you always say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. So you read Kim Eddy. She's almost right. She's yeah. almost right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Almost right. Mm-hmm. Now, let me remind our listeners here that what you just heard 
me quote from Kim Eddy is from a professing Christian. So never think for one minute that simply because someone appends the word Christian to their book, their podcast, or even to their so-called church, that the, that the content associated with it is biblical. Never assume that. Never, ever assume that. V, what do you got, man? Man, that, that, that's absolutely, you're absolutely right. You can never assume that. I think we've got to always pause and think about what so-called Christians, especially when they connect themselves to these false ideas, these false ideologies. Uh, this is more of the worship of self. This is more, uh, you know, narcissistic uh, uh, idolatry. It's basically what 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 we've fallen into, and and we have to recognize. I, I love what you said. The you, you termed her her idea of Christ as the as the Enneagram Christ, right? right. The, the Enneagram Christ. That's mm-hmm. exactly what you're. She, ha- she what you're has talking an, about. She has an Enneagram Christology. This is what she has. She has right. Enneagram theology Absolutely. and Enneagram Christology. And any we could go on and, and, and on. And on. Right. Any yeah. <laughs> sort soteriology. She's she's yep. every, everything is driven by the Enneagram. Yep. Yep. And and that's that's what happens when when you uh, when you append these ideas, these man-made ideas to uh to, to Christian faith. It's just absolutely problematic, it's damnable. Right. Uh, it, 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 it following following these ideas following her version of, of Christianity will, will have you uh, in hell. I mean, it absolutely yes. will. Uh, I, I go back to, to the text of Scripture, who, the true Christ, the true Christ in Colossians you know, chap, chapter 1, verse uh, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, if he is preeminent in everything, what what in the world do we need to add to who he is? Why, why would we need an any of any Christ? Why, why, why are we looking for anything outside of Christ to validate, to explain, to, 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 to un- understand who we are, whose we are, and what we're to do? Uh, this is foreign to Scripture. These ideas, the Enneagram's ideas, are, are foreign to Scripture. And, and, and the further and further you go and, and you study, these ideas are antithetical to a biblical worldview. And I, again, I say it, like I said before, these are absolutely ideas that we, we must and need to reject. You know, as I listen to you, man, I'm thinking about what Peter says, that, that in Christ we have everything we need for life and godliness. Godliness, absolutely. I, 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 I just don't know what, what it is. See, this is, this, is, this is another reason why I say that a discontented Christian is, an oxy, uh, is a walking oxymoron. A discontented Christian is a living, breathing oxymoron. Now, why do I bring up discontentment? Because I think a lot of people are drawn to these uh, nine Enneagram, uh, I'm going to call them what they are, these nine divinities of the Enneagram, because it is that or those, because I know you can have more than one, that or those elements or those aspects, those characteristics relate to the, to the, to to, to the, the, uh, the uh, type of uh, or degree of discontent they have with their life. Uh, you got countless Christians walking around this planet right now who are discontent as if Christ is not sufficient, as if Christ saving them from the wrath of God is not sufficient. 
in, in, mm-hmm. in light of everything else that you're going on, you're not going to hell. Right. What is there for you to be discontent about at all? Right. Man, I mean, I, I, if, if folks could see me right now, I got my hands up in the air. I'm just, I'm just, I'm like, what, what is, what is the problem here? Well, mm-hmm. the problem is, as you said, V, it's just it's, that we don't view scripture as sufficient. We don't cry. We don't no. view. We don't view Christ as sufficient. We don't view His Word mm-hmm. as sufficient. We don't view uh, where He has us serving Him as as sufficient. Mm-hmm. We, we we just we just want something else. Mm-hmm. Well, as we prepare to close out this episode of the Justin Podcast, Omaha, I, I want to leave our listeners with these words from the Apostle Paul from Colossians chapter two, verse eight, where he says this. He says, "See to it." that no one takes you captive through philosophy. You, you cited this scripture earlier, Omaha. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world and not according to Christ. Now, I chose that verse because it's an accurate description of what the Enneagram is, which is fundamentally, the, Enne- the Enneagram is empty deception. That's what it is. The Enneagram, if you want to boil it down to its least common denominator, it is empty deception. And it's in light of that fact that I have to say again, Omaha, that contrary to what many people, including many professing Christians, believe, the Enneagram is not some innocuous personality test. The Enneagram is a demonic tool whose origins are occultic and pagan in nature and is fundamentally designed with a spiritual goal in mind. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe Virgil, if you don't believe the three hours of expositional overview that we've given you on this, perhaps you'll believe Don Riso and Russ Hudson, who I quoted earlier from the same book that I'm about to quote right now, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, The Complete Guide to Psychological and spiritual growth for the nine personality types, where they write in chapter 16 of that book, which is titled The Enneagram and Spiritual Practice, this, quote, In itself, the Enneagram is not a spiritual path. It is an exceptional tool and a tremendous help for us, I'm sorry, a tremendous help to us for any path that we might be on. Now, you see how we've gone again, V, from talking about a talking about personalities to talking about spiritual paths now. Quoting again from the book, even though the Enneagram is not itself a complete spiritual path, it offers immense insight to anyone who is on a spiritual or therapeutic path of any kind. The insights into human nature it provides cannot help but catalyze our spiritual growth. The great religions of the world, there's that syncretism again, the great religions of the world have provided a multitude of practices for personal transformation. So have modern psychology, the self-help movement, and contemporary spiritual thinkers. And there's that integrationism again. The -hmm. world's great religions all teach that we are not alone and that we are supported in invisible ways and to a depth that we cannot imagine. In much of the Christian tradition, there is belief in the, quote, communion of the saints, unquote, a teaching that sees the entire community of heaven constantly interceding on behalf of those still on earth. Hindus see the manifestations of God everywhere, 
in trees and lakes and mountains, as well as in storms and volcanoes, just as Buddhists see the infinite forms of Buddha nature. The the statues of Christian saints and innumerable bodhivistas, so there he is again, syncretizing Christianity with Buddhism, the statues of Christian saints and innumerable bodhisattvas are reminders of this profound spiritual truth that we are not alone. So what he's arguing here is that we're all together. All the religions are fundamentally the same because we're all on the same path. Since we are not alone and that we are supported on our spiritual path in an infinite varieties of ways. So what you see mm-hmm. in the Enneagram unquote, by the way, what you see in this quote again from Russ Hudson and Don Riso is that the, uh, you have syncretism, pluralism, universalism, pantheism and panentheism all represented in the Enneagram in their own words, mm-hmm. in their own words. Mm. V, close us out, man. Yeah. Brother, listen, this was an outstanding exposition of all of what we kind of talked through the Enneagram. I'm hopeful that all of those who listen uh, are benefited by this, man. It's a joy to be with you on the microphone during the uh, during the holiday season. I'm prayerful that all who listen uh, are having a blessed Thanksgiving as we record this uh, during that time frame. Grateful for the chance to unpack this and again, hope that Everyone will join us next time for the next edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. Welcome to Just Thinking Podcast. 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 Podcast.